Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of April 2020. Hope you're all still hanging in there because I think you've all realised this, this is the big one, eh? This is the real thing as we get completely retrained like a animals in a zoo by our betters, you know, those that uh, have disappointed themselves, masters of the universe and certainly masters over us, w- without being elected, most of them actually. The politicians are really fronts, and uh, ones at the top of politics really know that. They're quite aware of that. And there's much bigger institutions above them that just seem to gradually solidify over time, like the World Economic Forum and big clubs like the Bilderberg Group as well. And many, many others, the G8, the G20, and G-Wiz. There's lots of them out there. And it's strange enough, you don't find it in any country's laws of governance or, or anything to do with them. They just appear there and become official without anything getting put to a vote to any of the people who think they're actually living in a democracy. It's quite a strange system, isn't it, where people can be so blindly uh, in belief they believe the propaganda they're given so easily and don't question it. Because, and it's, it's kind of like if you had, which is happening now, of course, is, is very akin to the idea of how do, you, how do you catch and capture wild boars, wild pigs? How do you do it? And the old story is, is actually, <laughs> actually works, in fact, apparently. But uh, the, the you could a guy said I'll do it. This is a different country. It's Hungary or somewhere, and the, he says I'll I'll get rid of these these things for you. I'll catch them, and he uh, he just drove up to where these things would gather. You would follow them and find where they are, and don't go right up to them. Just park off so they can see you in a, in, a, in a distance, and don't go towards them. Get used. Do that for a few days and. And wherever they happen to be, just drive up and keep yourself within visual contact, but well away from them, and they get used to seeing you. And then you simply start dropping off some food from your truck uh, every so often, and then drive away and watch them. And they'll come up to where the food was dropped once you've gone and eat the stuff. Most wild animals will do exactly the same thing. You know, Even squirrels do that kind of thing. And then uh, they get used to you and used to you. And each time you get closer and closer, and eventually you, you put the food off in the truck and you put a, a fence post in and just bang in a few times. It's not too heavy, not, not too noisy. And over time they get used to you putting more fence posts in. And then you put the wire in eventually. And of course you corral them eventually. That's what happens. It's quite easily. So in other words, one day you wake up and there's a, there's a wall around you. And that's where we are today. It's been going on for a long time, and you've been trained well in advance to accept that when the wall appears around you, uh, that you'll obey it, and it's normal. You think it's quite normal. This happened over time, so it must be normal if it happened over a period of time as opposed to suddenly, you see. And even the little experiments are going on now in, in sudden diktats, order to the public, and instant obedience, and, and real-time studies with all the big BITs, the Behavioral Insights teams, and many, many more organizations that have, given, have been given access to the Internet from the beginning, actually. Uh, the study is in real-time now with chit-chat and their Twitters and all the rest of it that people go through, including their phone conversations and so on. 
Nothing's ever been private. From the beginning, it was a lie. You'd have any kind of privacy, long before they even gave you the first computer. And that's how you, you control the world. You don't give away anything to the public without knowing exactly what you're doing beforehand, and, you, and you're set to control all of it, absolutely all of it. And you can see today, we're treated the same way. You, you don't find the police today in most countries, especially in Europe, calling you sir, you know, or whatever. There's, maybe they're scared to call you sir now in case they get sued. You don't know. But, but the thing is, they used to call you sir or madam or ma'am. And, of course, everything's offensive to everybody today, apparently. Uh, and so they, maybe they're unsure. So the, it sounds rather nasty when they come up and just disorder you, like, where are you going? Without saying who they are, excuse me, I'm so-and-so, I'm, I'm PC so-and-so. Uh, they, they just tell you what to, and they just immediately interrogate you. And that's become normal with this terror campaign on the public on the, of the COVID-19. And it, believe you me, it's a terror campaign. And it has been a terror campaign from the beginning. It's another thing too, before I do forget it, there's way too many coincidences happening here of people definitely publishing uh, and, and big magazines and stuff before this, that this would come along the pike uh, in 2000, at least 2019 and long before that too. And many, many other articles down through the years I've read on the air, in fact, when I was on the air, many articles to do with what was coming and what was supposed to come because I'd read their articles. They published them, including, you know, right down to the chipping of people. Uh, that This wasn't an imaginary thing from, from me or anybody else. This was published. In fact, you had lots of publications put out by DARPA itself to do with chipping people. It's always, it always for your benefit. It's the same as imprisoning you t today. It's for your benefit to save everybody. And back then, one of the first articles that DARPA published about the chipping was, was also to control your nervous system. Well, we could put this in a paraplegic, we're testing it out, to see if you could use a computer eventually by just thought alone, you see. But of course the chip had all the other data collection uh, equipment inside of it, uh, and it was monitoring this whole, this guy's, uh, this poor guy's complete pathways of neurons and thoughts and all the rest of it. They're trying to map the brain. And of course, we also saw that happening with a big project when Obama was in, a department of government was set up uh, to collect information so they want to map the entire human brain. It's awfully important to... See, you understand you're awfully important to your masters. You're terribly important because you can be an awful problem for your masters. And if they can't understand you completely, that one unknown unknown, as Rumsfeld used to say, this is there are known unknowns and unknown knowns and known unknowns and unknown unknowns. They're trying to cover every possible scenario and every possible possible imaginary event that could happen in a real-life situation. And they had all these different plans and, and, and war games and, and God knows what else all worked out in advance and tried out and tried out and tried out for things that had never happened, you see. So if any one of those events did happen, they'd have some way of, of reacting to it and, and still keeping control of the situation. And that's what control freaks do. And the best control freaks really are successful psychopaths. They're, they're up there managing you on behalf of the masters above them. So nothing, nothing new about that at all. But as I said before, um, even the Masons got on in it with, with the Masonic chip. 
And that's that, that's what they called it themselves. They had ads in the papers, newspapers, about Masonic chips. They even had little videos out for parents to get the get their children chipped, starting with their clothing. And they wanted to go all the way eventually, as you got used to it, and the parents got used to it, to eventually embedding chips, like the ones they put in pets. But I guess we are pets in a sense, you know. The only difference is, you see, our owners don't love us. We, we, we tend, someone who owns the pet generally loves the pet. But uh, so Masonic chip, yeah, they, put, they had videos of them putting these little things in the coats and, and the clothing of the children. And to make the parents feel safer, then if, it, the, if the child gets kidnapped by some pedophile ring that's probably up there somewhere amongst the folk <laughs> they're managing all this stuff, uh, then it, maybe they could trace them. Maybe. So you can't dismiss this kind of thing, getting promoted by uh, little societies with secrets, as they like to call themselves. And they certainly know when you shut their mouths. You see, that's awfully important across the board if you're running a system uh, that tends at sometimes to, to really stir up the public angst against them. And uh, you've got people who, who are already trained to keep secrets, you see. Awfully important. That's why the, all the higher-ranking members of the military, and right down to the middle levels too, are, are encouraged to join Freemasonry. Same with the police too, because the, the police will stand up for their brothers. They'll cover uh, their, their brothers if they're in trouble. And they'll, they'll, even if the person's in the wrong, they've got to save them first. They're more important than telling the truth. That's, that's the law. <laughs> you save your brother at all costs. And uh, it's a great insurance policy, absolutely. And that's why a lot of them join it, in fact. Because you get a sense of safety in a situation, and situations which will happen in police policemen and different kind of awkward positions. But when you get into the higher echelons of uh, military, etc., the, the, the officer-type ranks, like the Knights Templars, the real Knights Templars, a high, high-ranking bunch in London, weren't the riffraff at the bottom, it was a higher group above them uh, that ran the empire and had all the top bankers in it too and the top governors, the lieutenant governors and governors generals that were sent over to manage this empire on behalf of the city of London and that's really what it was. Britain was a business based in London, the rest of the people were just part of the business and didn't know it. But, uh, but that's how things really work. And I used to give the talks years ago, and I, I ruffled a lot of feathers, believe you me. I wasn't supposed to go on at the time. I wasn't officially authorized to come out. And uh, I managed to get in by, by a, a back door in a sense, because I had a lot to say. And I got on eventually. And uh, I could go right into the occult without a problem, because I'd studied it really immensely. And... And that kind of gave me an entry into the into the, the the whole system. And as soon as I did that, then everybody's after you to use you immediately. You know, they'll try and use you. And I got offers from all the biggies at the time. And I always said from the beginning, I had to walk between the raindrops because I knew darn well I'd read all the the articles that were published and declassified articles on on uh, the CIA's. Um, Takeover and even promotion of of uh, uh, a kind of patriot movement, a parallel type that would take over the original one in America, especially, and it was set up during the Cold War. And uh, there was articles even in the Toronto Star, which I read on the air, in fact, 
which is amazing. And I got away with it, talking about the different organizations that were set up using radio, and it's generally shortwave radio worldwide, to counter the communist propaganda, you see. That, that was the original story. But don't forget that if you're involved at all with the CIA, you're, you're, you'll never figure out what they're up to. It's nothing what you'd ever imagine they're up to. And people who are really, really true believers in the CIA get left holding the bag eventually, and they're caught because their agenda is nothing to do with, with what Americans think is saving America. It's a, it's a completely global agenda and, and vastly, vastly different in its allegiances than you'd ever imagine. But anyway, they, t- they take over and, and run, try to run the culture of all countries. And they also, if there's not a, a, a resistance to an, a, a system, they'll set up what appears to be an opposition to it and try to run both. That way, our grassroots one won't emerge itself and do what has to be done and say the right things have to be said and so on. That's how information's completely manipulated. And eventually, too, I know that one of the stations I was on was leaned on, actually a couple were leaned on heavily by authorities to get me off. And they tried to initially shove me off into weekends. And uh, and I wouldn't take go for that either. I knew darn well the, the money obviously would be involved. Another one, too, outside uh, the North America completely, um, which I helped. They got me on initially when they were starting up. I did a lot of talks to get them to bring in an audience, which I did. And then one night I was supposed to go on, and one of the fellows there said, I'm sorry, he says, we did made a big deal with a certain person that you all know. Did a series of DVDs, like, like, like films, big money, and, uh, but part of the stipulation was, from this character, <laughs> was that they wouldn't have me back on again. He was really almost broken up, but at the same time, he took the cash, obviously, and tells you a little bit of the person, which I won't name. But that's how things really work in what you think is the alternative uh, media. It's nothing what you generally think it is. Honestly, it really isn't. And the, the, the Patriots ones for the West, for the Americas, as I say, the CIA did start them up. That's all declassified stuff long ago. doesn't mean they're all the same today. But I'm sure there's a big, big hand still on the, the all-seeing eye doesn't like to close itself and go to sleep. Why would you give up uh, another outlet to media uh, that's been awfully successful and finding out what any what all the people who are in opposition to the system find out who they all are and then guide them uh, into circles back into politics? That's what they did very successfully. Uh, mainly after 9/11, they, they, they started to go really heavy to work. But in, back in the 1990s, there was so much information out there getting published by the authorities and the establishments that were attached to the authorities. In other words, the outsourcing departments to different uh, authoritarian-type uh, groups and so on that would be managing us all. Uh, so many articles getting published by them themselves uh, that people were getting a bit paranoid then. People, afterwards, they don't know this. <laughs> they don't know how it was lulled down. Lulled, it didn't go away. It got worse, in fact. But they kept it quieter and quieter. But they used to publish a lot of articles about where they were going to take the world. And you had the speeches with Bush Sr., uh, George Bush Sr., the, the president, who was also at the head of the CIA at one point, who gave his speech, his famous speech, uh, about the new world order, a new world order coming into view, he said, you know. 
And everybody's wondering about this. It was a disclosure speech. It was for the public and for a big audience. So, it, and none of the reporters really tried to de- decipher it for the public. It wasn't really meant for the public in a sense. It was an official declaration, so it was meant for them that way. Because if you don't know what it is and you don't oppose it, then you've accepted it through your silence. That's how legalities work with these characters. But, uh, of course, he was talking about this, this whole globalist New World Order with America being the dominant force for the American century. And then his son came out exactly 10 years later to the date, I think it was, with the same speech, pretty well updated a little bit. It was still the New World Order speech. And this was, this was published. They were talking about New World Order. You know, it wasn't just, a, uh, oh, the Cold War is maybe, maybe finished now, now that this, the old Soviet Union has dissolved, supposedly. Uh, it wasn't that. And... Uh, it was literally about creating a world order. And then, of course, you had the peanut group in the New American Century, how they would dominate the world. And don't forget, too, don't be fooled by titles like the America and the New American Century until you realize that that, that which runs your country doesn't see you any differently than than when they ruled London and used, used the whole of the British Empire as a battering ram <laughs> against everybody else. Because uh, you, you need the bodies to fill the uniforms, and you need the big tax base, you see. And the goals that they have eventually are complete eugenics and everything else. But they believe in evolution, and they've always believed in evolution. No problem with that at all. That's 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 their real belief. They have no, they really have no qualms about telling you that at times, unless except after World War Two. When even Julian Huxley, a great uh, big uh, eugenicist who believed in population reduction and worked towards it and and helped uh, start up Planned Parenthood and all that. And of course they knew Bill Gates' dad and all that too. They're all combined. It's just amazing. Nothing goes away. The same clique, you know. And they all have their same functions. They're front people to an extent. And they can be set up as geniuses even though they're not or... And we still get them today, these so-called titans and that we're supposed to talk about all the time because the media tells you to talk about them. But in reality, they haven't really invented anything. They're just businessmen. And obviously, I don't care what they say. One person doesn't accumulate that kind of wealth by them. It doesn't happen. There's big money behind it, big, big money. It's like the CIA that set up, after World War II, they set up real legitimate uh, huge corporations uh, especially in the war industry and so on. Some of them are still in existence today, as and they produce real things and real goods, but they're they're owned by the CIA. So the and of course they can put front people out there with the massive funding that they have for other parts of the agenda too. And that's how it really does work for those who don't who think that everything just happens by itself. Uh, I've mentioned so many times you cannot have. Uh, the same things we're talking about, talked about, uh, say, 50 to 60, 70, 100 years ago happening today, pretty well on cue uh, to do with this global order, this world order, you see. And if they can't get it one way, they'll do it another way. What you see are some of the same players like Kissinger, the big technocrats, uh, talking about the, the divided world. They don't want it to be fragmented again. They want it to be a, a world order. And if they can't get what's happening, well, guess what? You'll get a crisis, and then you're going to have it anyway. 
you can't make this kind of stuff up. If you mention the truth today, it's very evident, very evident. Or if you're in a particular organization that opposes something, you're going to be hammered, completely hammered, when what you're opposing is part of their, what they call their necessity, the necessity of their agenda. And you're opposing it, so you're a problem. And you will be lambasted for it, and you're going to be lit. Actually, worse than that is out and open. Even the the practice with the, the virus pandemic that they were on about in 2019 with the Johns Hopkins group with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, they actually said, if you're bored to look at their, their own videos, the uh, and what, how they would handle people who opposed them. And right, they start off with cautioning, maybe cautioning people to, to shut up, you know. Uh, and they're talking about opposing parts of their agenda. It wasn't, you would understand what's happening. What's really, it's not just a virus here. It's a whole way of living. <laughs> and a complete change forever, a permanent change thereafter. That they couldn't get through, through trying to train you into sustainability and so on. And so, bingo, you get the very thing that Bill Gates talked about in the, the 90s as well. You, a, a crisis might bring you to your knees till you accept these kind of things, he said in one magazine. And, uh, and here we go with it all. The same characters, the Gates family, intergenerational. If old Rockefeller was on the go today, I mean, if he could extend his life another 40, 50 years, he'd be out there making the same speeches today as he has, as he had done for 100 years pretty well. So uh, they're, they're, it's always the same people, uh, intergenerational families. Uh, and they, they graft on more. They've proven their worth, as they call them, their worthies. As they, that's one of their terms that they use. And they use them to, and they'll finance them to be prominent people uh, and, and give them made up uh, backgrounds of how much of a genius. So you'll follow the geniuses, you see. And you'll take their word that they are geniuses. And um, that's how it's very simple to start making machinery. Anyway, back in the 90s, it was very evident big things were happening inside America because we had, the publications had come out before that from the Council on Foreign Relations and many other articles from the CFR as well and their Foreign Affairs magazine talking about the future and how they're changing it all to bring it and, and you're going to merge with, with China, that was a big thing too China is to be the model state for the entire planet and they would build up through free trade and they did, they gave us, they gave all your factories we financed all the factories, the big corporations, literally financed them completely to uproot their factories and move them all to China. We paid for that through the agreements with your own politicians in every country. And we paid for all to lose all your jobs and your manufacturing so they could get cheaper labor in China and build China up at the same time as a big partner with the most favored nation's trading status. That's what it's called in free trade in the GATT Treaty. And before you knew it, everything was made in China, and it became normal very quickly. Most folk didn't seem to notice, or even certainly wouldn't talk about it, the people that you knew. And so uh, things were big in the 90s, and uh, it even had the Patriot Movement in America at the time, labeled as the most, uh, I think, FBI through its agencies, or, or its supposed uh, civilian, certain <laughs> watchdog agencies, that multi-billionaires again.
said that the patriot movement was the most, uh, it wasn't terrorism, they, they were the most threats, to the, to, they, they, they put, or they presented the most threat, possible threat, to America and the USA. What they meant by that is they, they, they were going to stop all these changes to, to the, the, the Constitution. So see, the CFR published, one of the, the prominent writers published uh, an article, he said, we've got to stop hitting the American Constitution and the Bill of Rights head-on, trying to challenge it head-on, because then you can get lawyers debating it point for point, you see, and you can't, they can't get it changed. So he says, well, let's just put laws around it and put bridges over it with laws. He's talking about international agreements and such that just bypass everything, and uh, that's how they did it. He said, we, we, we stopped hitting it head-on. Well, let's bypass it all and build bridges over it and around it and so on. That's what happened. So here you are today, uh, and, and and because people knew it back then, there was there was a lot of people saying, "No, you're not." The, uh, the people knew what their rights were in the states at that time, but they had no idea of the counterintelligence that was going on, big time, massive funding, giving you new champions to follow. That's how things are really done. For those who don't know, and I remember Bo Greitz, who was supposedly. That was presented him as the most decorated Vietnam veteran, and uh, who loved to talk about what you know about what, um, killing people. He, he liked he likes it, you know, he enjoyed it, and uh, and they gave him a show on uh, radio, worldwide radio, and uh, for a few years he collected data on the people out there and the whole thing. And of course, he, he yeah, you got to stand up for your rights and all the rest of it. And, 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 and then when nine eleven happened, he, he there's a little clip of him going up the congressional steps uh, right after it happened, and he was asked by the camera folk or, or the types of camera people around that time because of what was happening, and they said uh, they recognised him, asked him where he was going. He says, he says, um, I'm going to the to, to the to talk to some of the Congress, and he said. Um, I know, I know who probably did this. Is that those crazy patriot people uh, in the U.S. In, in their own country? You said. So he he'd been a plant all along. You see. And that's what they give you, and people fall for it immediately. You see. The, uh, remember, it's, it's the same old idea with rat poison. You've got to give them real data that, ever, that people, the people who are genuine, this grab the stuff that the genuine folk have and, and they, they repeat it all, then they'll say it's theirs. That's what they do. And then they tack on a little bit of poison. And that's how, you, you, that's how counterintelligence works. And then you, you guide them back into the fold of playing politics and just voting again. When you're losing your rights bit by bit by bit, and and you can vote all you want, but what you're voting for is a completely different system eventually. And uh, yeah, they can still have flags, as I said before, the flags and the symbols, the country and the brass bands for the right tunes. But you don't realize that uh, you, can be, you, can be, you literally, culturally, and every other way, you can be 180 degrees in another direction of how you start, where you started. But most folk don't recognize that. And you take the, the first Gulf War, the Desert Storm, and we know, we know, we know what happened there too, and we know the whole saga 
before Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. It was in the newspapers, there was the magazines of the, how the horizontal drilling from Kuwait was going underneath into hundreds of miles, some of this stuff, into, into Iraqi territory and siphoning off their oil. And Hussein did give inter interviews, and newspapers had published some of the interviews where he'd actually asked the the U.S. Um, diplomats to Iraq for permission. He says, I've got to go and stop those guys. And he was told, well, we won't stop you from trying, you know. And I, he went, I, had that, I, I can remember it all well, and I kept all the documentation. It was hard copy before the, all the, the computers were really in there, in there, for the, there for the public. So you had hard copy. And, uh, but yeah, it was all out in, in the open. And of course, once he did it all, then they went and attacked him. And, Blasted his act because there's other things on the go. Everything's a chessboard, and you, you get the, the guy to make a move because of something you make, you make him do, right? You make him do until you, you go to him until he, he retaliates, and then you got an excuse to pound him and do it because you've got another agenda for the country of Iraq, of course. And that's how things really work in geopolitics. It's nothing to do with, uh, oh, we're really offended by what you know. No, it's, it's, it's just a game that's done against people that you want to plunder, really, and to certainly neutralize, get out of the way, if you have other plans for the Middle East. And since then, really, with, uh, then, then with the, the next one, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Remember that one? Remember that operation when you invade a country to give them freedom? And... Uh, You've had a 30 years war on the go, you, 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 and, and into Afghanistan too. But with a 30 years war, beginning with the first Gulf War, that, that had quite a few years of just flyovers and, and no-fly zones, but still it was, on, it was a war. And it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped. And I read in advance the articles put up by Kissinger and Brzezinski, with their different opinions. They were generally allied on most things, but, but they talked about the different plans for the Middle East and Iraq and so on. And, and Kissinger really said that uh, he'd much rather have basically them, all their infrastructure completely annihilated and destroyed, put them into the Stone Age, basically, and then fund other groups amongst them to fight each other forever so they could never unite as a national country again. That, that's been the policy since, for those who don't know it. This stuff was all published back then, too, by, by their own uh, uh, interviews to the newspapers. And no country can continue these kind of wars. With Remember, the costs of everything, even the, okay, the big corporations get the plunder of oil fields, etc., and the, the, the Tony Blair, I, I, I remember reading an article too, when Tony Blair had admitted eventually years afterwards that, yeah, this is the big oil companies came to see me before they invaded Iraq. And they literally worked out a deal of, of who was getting the different parts of the oil fields. They, they, they literally divvied them up before it happened. That's how things really work. And that was in the, when the big papers, probably the Daily Mail at the time. So we're kept living as, as little naive mushrooms. Eh? We are fed you-know-what and kept in the dark. That's how we, the general public are kept, with minimalistic reports on things, and often just handouts, especially today, to what's still classified as news, or used to be called newspapers, 
but uh, just hand out straight from the authorities, the different departments, straight and by really grateful reporters who sit in their desks and, and take them and just put their names to things and <laughs> republish them. Uh, so that's how it's done today. So you don't really get what used to be investigative journalism. And investigative journalism today is even more dangerous, I think, because, uh, as I say, you got the hint at the, that practice for the coming COVID back in 2019, where they talked about it wouldn't just be stopping at fines for people who wouldn't shut up or people who would oppose them. With this matter, but the facts were facts wouldn't matter when you got a war agenda on the go, and right down to completely stripping you or closing all your bank accounts and all the rest, or even imprisoning you, and maybe even worse, you see. Because what's riding on this whole thing that we're going through today isn't just getting over a pandemic, it's a whole agenda that they couldn't get through, and they tried to get it through from 9 11 with a complete alteration of the system then and having no privacy and training the public in you know, a new system. It's a kind of a semi-pseudo-martial law type system where you're, you're frisked and checked everywhere you go. And you have, you're taught you get no privacy. All the youngsters accept that. They're the ones who grew up. You, you don't realize it's almost 20 years. And they grew up thinking this is all quite normal. And then they became the police that are frisking you and all the rest of it until it's going to get worse and worse. Of course it is. They think it's, they, they, they think themselves, how dare you? How dare you question a system which to them is quite normal? And that's what, these studies are all done. You wouldn't believe how, how dissected we are. All our thoughts, our emotions, our reactions to all different kinds of things on a daily basis, just by the data from the internet alone. Especially now, they actually published all the findings. They're just happy over the moon, the behavioral teams, and how people have just all cooperated so fast. Oh my God, they're all staying at home. There's a few oddballs and, and nuisances out, but the rest of them are staying at home and complying. How easy it was, eh? How easy it was. Mm-mm-mm. And then we're going to go the whole way now, the whole way, eh? And to sustainability, all the things they talked about at the last umpteen different uh, climate meetings, eh? Which is just a front for the eugenics movement, depopulation, and uh, cutting, and the technocrats cutting, you know, cutting your energy from you, including your food sources and so on, and types of food and proteins. And then you start getting sick and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and you bring back the. Uh, really the, the, the 17th and 18th centuries, what you bring back. Pre-industrial, remember, what they keep talking about, they bring it back to pre-industrial climate. Really? Really? Like it was all happy and sunny then, was it? Is that what you're saying? Mm-mm-mm. And I, get, I got fed up reading old articles on there, and believe you me, uh, as I say, I wouldn't be a, a cheerleading uh, person either for, for oh, we can just beat them, rah, 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 look what's up, rah, rah. No, I don't play politics. I don't, I don't even pretend to play politics because I've lived long enough. Now, even, even long ago, I just knew it stunk. And I was well aware of the big forces that really do manipulate societies and what their agendas were, because, as I say, they couldn't help but publish so much, especially biographies. 
So many people and uh, that really are honoured. They're honoured and are given honourable titles, etc. Uh, the big players all through the 20th century, uh, from the from the late uh, 19th century onwards, in fact, even before that. But you had, you had these amazing biographies, that, and they they loved to boast about how wonderful these people were. And, and how they shaped the world, and where they were going to take the world, and all. And because it was mainly written for their own class, most of the public wouldn't read it. It is boring stuff. I mean, it's dry and boring. And but when you dig through it, and you, and you get shocked when you, these, these people really mean what they say. And once in a while, you, you get something less boring. As I mentioned before, Charles Galton Darwin. He he. Again, a member of the Darwin family, and the Galton family. We realised that they they were already breeding with each other for for a few centuries. If you know that with the Darwins, it was already and, and no, they weren't the only ones, by the way. And the Darwins were is for the proper breeding long before the, the America had it with the Rockefeller Foundation with uh, the, the better American families that they had used to have a magazine for the ones with who. Picked properly the proper gene makeup of a partner and had had children by them and so on. Way ahead, way before Adolf Hitler came along and took the, the fall for them all. But yeah, the, the Galton Darwin, uh, the, the Galtons and the Darwins eventually uh, mixed, but the Darwins were primarily intermarried for for generations with the Wedgwood family. The grandparents were married to the Wedgwoods. The parents, the dad was married to the Wedgwoods. The, the, the grandson was married to the Wedgwoods. Darwin, I think it was Darwin himself. Uh, it was him or his dad. When the wife died, he then married, married uh, his aunt, who was a Wedgwood as well. All Wedgwoods. For better breeding, you see. Good stock, as I say. Good stock, good breeding stock. And they had lots of, but they weren't the only ones. You had lots of experiments on the go. You had the one at Anida as well, awfully important, because you, you had presidents mixed up with the, the breeding program. Who'd all been to Yale at that time? Yale was a, a leader in eugenics, and they taught eugenics for the better future. Get rid of all these peasant classes and so on. And um, and you find this uh, this uh, the Anida community with uh, Mr. Noyes, his name was. And they bred on the spot there. They picked who they were going to breed with, and they wouldn't let them breed with anybody else so they could keep records of the children, offspring, and so on. Deal away with marriage and um, intergenerational sexual activity as well. Uh, it was quite an amazing experiment. It went on for a long time into, into World War Two, and it was claimed, of course, that there was a fire that destroyed their records, but no, it's because after World War Two and the, the stink of eugenics that came out of it, then uh, I'm sure that they were trans- that they were transporting the the fellows elsewhere. Mr. Noyes himself fled to Canada eventually, apparently, but you can still go and see uh, the old buildings that they used down there. And they used to have a crematorium there too, because if there was any any unauthorized sexual activity, you, you had to have sex when you're authorized with whomever they told you to. But if there was an unauthorized sexual activity going on, or, or if a, ch- a child was born that, that was inferior, that there, was, there was a big kiln out there outside, the, outside in the premises where they would cremate the bodies. Of course they had that going on. You, you have no idea. Most folk have no idea. And Mr. Hayes, I think he, initially he was, um, he was somehow related through marriage or something to noise, but related to them. 
and he was a, a governor of state at one time, then he became a, a president, I think, Mr. Hayes. Remember reading it all years and years ago. But anyway, yeah, these things are, are big things on the go, of, and they're leading family. That's, that's what nobility is all based on, going way back to the Normans and before. Nobility, it's all interbreeding, and breeding within the groups. That's why you have so many psychopaths at the top, because they, the daughters that they marry isn't just to marry into money and, and more money, it's for more control, but it's also the, the, the daughters are an offspring of a, a psychopathic father. So you, you're a psychopath intermarrying. So it's no su surprise at all you end up with these ones. And then occasionally you get ones that are classified as um, successful, creative psychopaths. And if you really look at eugenics with the cold-blooded uh, and the cold-blooded, uh, through the eyes of the cold-blooded psychopaths, uh, that, uh, like Julian Huxley, uh, they, they really saw people as just animals and insects, in fact. And even in their own peer group, they had lists of people that they said would help them get in under the scientific socialism, as they like to call different names for the same thing. But uh, they, they said many would help them and they wouldn't get in themselves. They'd be shocked. George Bernard Shaw said the same thing. So you're living through an ongoing agenda. And then, of course, you had Kissinger many, many years ago. I think the 70s came out with, with uh, his, uh, th his greatest threat to the state. Yeah. It wasn't just America, but he, the, the greatest threat America had, he said, um, was overpopulation. And as usual, folk thought, well, I guess this means it's the third world uh, because they're always publishing different figures of growing populations. But it was also your internal populations, of course. And Britain was exactly the same. They'd already been doing it in Britain even before World War II ended. They were talking about depopulating again. So the first, you have many steps to go through. You've got to be, you, they've got to have enough people for wars, if need wars, right? And then as sciences get higher and higher, with efficiency and killing especially, uh, then they need fewer and fewer people to, to do it all. Although they still like to have boots on the ground as a show to the public that war hasn't changed that much. Wars changed tremendously. And they can really do, create wars with uh, even satellites alone without even using troops, if they wanted to. And that might come one day, who knows. But we really go down the path where they decided long ago they really don't need us all anymore. I hope you understand that. They, they really don't. And they're quite open about it, too. And not just the Georgia Guidestones, but I remember even listening to Manly P. Hall as an old man. Just giving one of his, his, his later, almost last talk. I don't know if it was his last or not, but he's a very old man the time, and he, he got so agitated as he was talking, he was on camera, talking to his own uh, group. And, uh, of course, he himself was uh, Rosicrucian and Freemasonic, but he got really agitated, and he was shaking like a really old guy does, and when he's getting agitated, and when it came to the planet, it, it, what he was wanting to say, but not quite getting it was, you understand that these organizations also have a great, a natural, it's a natural thing for the earth, naturally. You can't destroy their, your home. But they also had this problem. But I hope people understand that if you go into the, the, the occult, 
and even simple humanistic Freemasonry, the bottom, the bottom is, is basically humanist. We're all brothers. To, we can all get round our differences and the fellowship, brotherhood of man, etc. Sounds wonderful. But as you cycle up the ranks, you'd find that you're getting introduced into a new way of seeing things and superiorities, you see, inferior, superior, etc. And they'll start talking about the, the profane. You know, those folk out there who don't know anything, the profane. We're so enlightened, aren't we? They swig their beer and so on. We all know these characters, I'm sure you do. But it gets worse and worse at the very top until it isn't, isn't just a guy swigging the beer. The guys at the top swig brandy, and uh, very good brandy at that, and are, are quite uh, blatantly uh, blatant. And uh, there's no real emotion behind it. It's not like they're angry about things. People at the top don't really show fury and emotion because they're psychopathic. Psychopaths cannot tolerate frustration and anger. They tend to, get, to help stir up arguments between people and sit back and watch the different people arguing with each other. They play out their aggression and their frustrations through other people. That's why they also have, like wars and things, you know. But we're living through their agenda today because, as, as I've said so many times, Carl Quigley, Professor Quigley, talked about that he, his, part of his role was training people to shape the new world on behalf of the elite group that he worked for. CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs Group, worldwide, who and they churn out their diplomats and so on, and, and people who are in the State Departments for the U.S. and 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 they train them and pick them for university, from university for their roles and as leaders and shapers of the world. People they, you never even hear most of them, but they're the people who shape the world. They're the technocrats behind it all. They shape everything. And they're not really responsible. They'll get, they don't get hauled up to the voters. The voters never know this is even going on. And that's how it's always been. But Quigley said, that, and it's absolutely true about it, truthful statements about it. He said, talk about the amounts, incredible, incredible amounts of, of work for an agenda that sometimes takes 50 years, like a 50 year plan to get culture to change one thing from here to there, you know, in 50. But he said, under wartime, as we're in today, we're at war with a virus, you say, eh? martial law, emergency powers. He eh? said they can change everything culturally, legally, and because this this make the rules up as they go along, and they've got the force. You don't legally and uh, and make you do whatever they want to do quickly under threat of annihilation. We're here to save you. And he said you can do, get do more done in five years of war than 50 years of peace, meaning peace and propaganda and education of the next generation of children. You, you always indoctrinate the children so they grow and they will, that's why. Why do you think children grow up and they're always arguing with their parents, for instance? Why do you think that happens? Hmm? Why do you think that happens? But pretty well everything, why do you think that happens? Because they're getting taught a completely different set of values and cultures and ways of looking at things than the parents had. Each each generation, and by generation doesn't mean a whole lifetime. Again, they, they, they can work it out in 10 and 15 year spans with massive changes. You understand? And so what, you've got, what you're living through today is a massive, um, massive change and push for utterly different values that will conflict with, not so much now, because the last couple of generations, really from the 50s onwards, really, 
or 60s onwards, definitely, you had the cultural contamination, as it was called. So you introduced a disease of a completely new way of looking at everything, including life itself, including children, or even having them, or not having them, or is life sacred, is it not sacred, and all the things that Julian Huxley talked about. He said we'll have to knock people off their pedestal, the humanity off his pedestal, meaning the people and uh, where they think they're the most supreme being on the planet, to teach them that they're not, they're just another animal. Once they believe that, then you can do what you want with them, they'll accept it more easily. When you think you're sacred and you have rights, you fight things, you see. It's all been done. As I say, he was into Planned Parenthood and many, many other things, and a members of the eugenics societies and the Darwin's Club and so on. So, yeah, you're living through an agenda right now. They couldn't get it all done. They tried, uh, and, and they did raise it. Look, look at all the different groups that, that they've trained, these armies of youngsters who are almost ready to kill the older folk because they've been trained the older folk destroyed the planet for them. But that was their heritage then, and you all destroyed it, all you privileged folk, as they call people who scraped to get up there. They didn't live through. It was no heaven, believe you me. But they've trained them. Uh, almost like a, a Bolshevik army ready to slaughter the people or a Chinese cultural group where they let them loose on the, on the adults and their teachers to eradicate under communism. The cultural revolution, they called it. It's all the same tactics used by people who are well-steeped and trained in this same thing, you see. Because they use many groups and they always give them ideals, but the ones who run it all have different ideals and different agendas at the top and different outcomes ultimately. So you're living through it again, and, and here you go, another crisis. I've said it's like, it's like 9-11 part 2, and, and you, you come out of this uh, with a vastly, they've already said it over and over. Why do you think these articles are appearing from the elite themselves? The world will never be the same again. And you'll never go back to the way it was. And my God, you, 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 all the things they couldn't achieve, like austerity. I, mean, I did talk after talk from the United Nations uh, uh, publications on austerity programs that all the, they were signing into law in every country. I've got them here in front of me right now. And uh, yeah, all these austerity, how they would teach you that, that to, to, to get off meat and you'd obey them. And they would teach you what to eat and they give you substitutes for meat and so on, all the different insects and yada, yada, yeah. That, that's all made a massive resurgence, hasn't it? It really has, massive resurgence. And the folk don't even know it's even happening. They, they float through it in a... In a it, it, it reminds me, it reminds me of, I think it was, it was Oscar Wilde made some statement that, that everybody picked up on in the newspapers from, uh, from one of his books. He's talking about women. And um, he, that time he says that, that uh, women, the housewives and so on, and married women back in his day, uh, he said that they, they lived in a life of quiet desperation, something like that to paraphrase it. But do you realize... Your masters have got the whole planet now in a, in a form of almost quiet, a kind of controlled desperation because folk know everything is wrong. And they're going along with so many things which they really shouldn't be going along with. And a, and a, you cannot fight for centuries to, to gain the few rights that we got, temporary rights, you know. 
uh, and just give it away because you're terrified. Because you're never going to get them back again. And I think every country has seen the police forces out uh, uh, doing their thing already and, and it's losing their heads when the public won't obey them. They want obedience. That's not what police was about. At one time, the police were called the police service at one time. And they were supposedly public servants. And then they changed it. People, did you notice the changes years ago? It's called a police force. You see? A police force, okay. And then you, then you saw the change into black outfits with combat boots, and all, like a police army. And now you're seeing them dictate to you and with threats. And they've got women there because we're equal. You've got equal bullies now. And some of the women are worse, actually. They actually see that people like school children. You do what you're told. And that's how it's supposed to be. It's quite, quite astonishing, isn't it? And they've got all these different... Do you know how much money... Do you realize how, much, how well planned this was long before COVID was let loose on the public? All this stuff was waiting to get pushed, you know that? And all the, 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 it's like wartime propaganda, how to wash your hands. Huh? What? Bertrand Russell said it. He says, well, train the public. They can't make a move for themselves. They won't know how to do anything without expert advice on everything. Then you've got policemen deciding on the spot what the laws are. You've got more danger. If it's all real... And it's going to spread so easily by folk who have no symptoms. And the police are the worst carriers and culprits for spreading to the rest of the public because they, they're getting right. Look at all the videos up. They're getting in the faces of everybody who's just out for their one-hour walk. That's why you give prison people in prison, you know, the, the little walk outside in the yard for, like, around in circles. And everybody's obeying this. And you and they want to keep it going, believe you me, if they can. Keep it going right into next year. Once it's into next year, it's never going to change. And I've got a funny feeling they're going to try to terrify you again with a double whammy. It's like a one-two punch, you see. You get the first one, oh my God, we're all going to die. This, this COVID, oh, we're all going to die. No, then you're not all going to die. Most folk won't even know they've had it. Most folk and then they'll say, well, we can start gradually getting you, some of you back to work. If you, and you've seen it all floated in your faces with your, <laughs> with your uh, ID, uh, your ID card, but primarily one will be an app. You see, oh, there's an app for everything. Do you realize how much, many billions are getting tossed around the world uh, to these rip-off merchants that jump right on like vultures, vultures on top of the public? Shamelessly, eh? That's the system we live in, folks. There's no morality of any kind in the system. Where greed rules, and people will cut their folks' throats for greed. And they want you all chipped. Everyone knows, I'm talking to the choir in that sense, you're seeing the same articles, I'm sure. Many folk will refuse to accept the articles. I don't want to believe that. Even though it's coming from all the top sources who have the, who have the, 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 the actual factories set up to churn out uh, different things they're going to, you know, and the telephone app sells. The cell phones, of course, are still making, but they've got the apps as well. 
some from China, some from Israel, some from Britain. So everybody who's got could make apps has got their hands out for for their companies. Uh, this freebie, huh? I mean, and the governments are just throwing it around like confetti. This, this, all the cash that you're going to pay for down the road, you're never going to get out of this this hole. Even if they stop to all tomorrow, you're never going to get out of this. The, the, your currency will be literally as taxed into the, the ground what's left of it, and, and your your dollar or your pound or whatever currency you have, will all, you already lost about thirty five, almost forty percent the two thousand eight crash and purchasing power. So you need more of it to buy the same things. Well, you only drop down till you know till the dollar. Uh, is going to be. Uh, you might get a loaf of bread and maybe maybe some jam you put on it. Um, if you got maybe ten bucks, maybe fifteen actually. Yeah, I suppose so. That's where they're going to go with it all. Into austerity, the very things that they talked about putting you into in a post-industrial civilization, a la Maurice Strong, and uh, the big meeting you had in nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. Again, we didn't vote for these characters, we didn't vote for their meeting or what came out of their meeting, but the politicians all signed it in to law over us all from these private so-called sustainability groups. Man is the enemy, the club of Rome. Now remember, and we do float through life. Most folk float through life and they don't want heavy news, as they call it. And when they hear things which are too heavy, they tend to just close their ears. They, they go into de- denial and say, I don't want to hear that. It's too depressing. And um, they, they can't really mean that. Somebody would stop them. How many times have you heard that somebody would stop them? Who? Who's going to stop them? But it's never going to be they themselves that do anything to do it to stop it, is it? That's why things really happen. It's like Lenny Riefenstahl, who... She lived a great, amazing age, in fact, and she uh, had been an actress before uh, World War Two broke out, and then afterwards she had another career making films and so on, and documentaries across the planet. But she was asked by, I think it was John Pilger, I've got a documentary somewhere, where he interviewed her when she was old, and he, he asked her about uh, her time during you know, World War Two and before it, and how how, the, how did, was it allowed to happen that a group could arise within the country and take over? And she she's quite candid about it that most folk really were not involved, you know, involved in what was happening uh, in reality. In other words. Just like today, I mean, how many folk were involved when the transfer of all your work went over to China? I lived through it. It's not that. It's not ancient history, and I did talks on, on the the, the governments signing all the different documentation to make it all happen, and even financing companies to to move there, at lock, stock, and barrel, and set up in China. We paid for it all, every one of them, uh, and we paid for their losses that they claimed that we might they might have, until they're on their feet. And they would be tax-free for at least 15 years and could be extended for another 15 years, along with China itself, with their companies, if they found out that they weren't uh, making it what they expected to make. We paid for all this. This is corporate fascism. <laughs> That's right in your face. You know? So I mean, where were all the folk sentient there were watching? Most folk didn't even talk about it in the street. And people you knew, they didn't seem to be interested. 
most also really uh, Riefenstahl said the same thing about Germany how it ended up under a Nazi party and of course a big big story leading up to of course there was a lot more going on that made it all happen or it would never have happened in the first place but the fact is most folks slept through it you don't think of the consequences you don't think of where it's going to go, to go you see and we're, we're here we are going through the same thing now right with uh, all the scientific, the, the scientific fascists on top of us. Because that's what's supposed to be, according to Bertrand Russell, eh? He said, if there's going to be a tyranny that runs the world, I'd, I'd much prefer it to be a scientific one. And that's what you're under, a scientific tyranny, the technocratic system. Because democracy served its purpose, according to the, the Club of Rome. It's now inefficient, they can't get things done because we complain and object to what they want to do, you see, with democracy. So under technocracy, who, and technocrats are disappointed in times of war <laughs> to run everything efficiently, and, and never mind your, your feelings or, or your rights or anything else. And that's what you've got now. Hmm? More than five years of war than 50 years of peace. It hasn't even taken five years. There's studies out now, there's, they're just over, overawed by the response to the public complying about this. I'll put a, a little link up to Peter Hitchens talking about it. And uh, from his point of view in Britain, and how they're just stunned at the, the compliance of the public, the, the domesticated compliance, it's just astonishing. It really is. But again, fear and terror, like I've said before, uh, you, you, to change the people, to get them to move, you've got to give them terror and fear of imminent death. And you, then you step in, as you say, the Savior, we'll take your rights away, you just, just do what we tell you or, or you'll die. And and people comply with it and go along with it, like the, the Green Party head said a few years ago, the woman who was in charge at the time in Britain, and she said that, uh, I, I, I look, she said, I, I look back with nostalgia to the, to, the, to what's written about World War II, everybody obeyed the authorities, everybody had lived on very, very little food, and they didn't grumble because it was wartime, and, and they, they, they obeyed and got on with what they were told to do, and so on. She was just thought that was wonderful. Here you are, eh? Terror, fear, comply, or you'll die. And everybody literally, <laughs> they've just given up centuries of fighting for rights, just like that, eh? until literal morons are walking around the streets bossing the people about, even if they go into their garden, eh, their own garden. Even in the law states that the, the garden and their property is their property. They can be any part of their property they want. But you've these morons chomping at the bit that you'll see in any tyrannical system, in any country, even the third world countries, and, and, uh, and chomping at the bit to, to have you obey them. And they really get ticked off, especially the, the, the special constables, they're like temporary or young or whatever, or just uh, part-timers. They're chomping at the bit because they've watched, they've been brought up in all these cop shows, these fiction shows on TV, and that's how you're trained to be a little tyrant, with through fiction, you see. Because in reality, you're supposed to serve the public. Oh. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's so many... Uh, clips up there on YouTube now that, that uh, some of them are farcical and, and, and funny but over and over again you, you've got the, these, these nobodies literally nobodies People and believe you me, Britain is so politicised like every other country with political correctness 
that for, for, for decades they've watched they've watched paedophile gangs being, being created and run and they've turned a blind eye because they're scared of losing their jobs because everything's so volatile politically to do with certain groups and so on. But they'll go after innocent people, uh, even someone, a, a woman, having a, a, a seat on her way to the store in the park bench because she's lingering too long. Things like that. Come on. Do you really want these? These are thugs, people. These are thugs. These are not humans. They're thugs. And the old, the old police that have gone long ago. And the old police were people you could walk up to in Britain and, and chat with or ask questions or ask directions. You daren't do it now. They're, all, they're, they're ready to, to, they're like gnats, just want to dive in and get you, you know, on something. That's not, that's, these are not police. You know. They want to, it's like they're sparring. They want to spar with people. And that's not what they're supposed to be there for. But again, but everyone's trained through fiction and they've all watched their, they've been brought up too in their science fiction movies and the future and here's how it's going to be in dystopian societies and authorities and nobodies and the public are the nobodies. Eh? Unless you're really wealthy and well-connected, then you're, then you're a somebody. And then they'll grovel to serve you. Quite something, eh? Quite something. So anyway, I'll put some of these links up as I say, tonight as well, because you're, you're in a system that was carefully orchestrated. I've got articles here where we know the authorities knew. Of course, the CIA would know too, and all the other agencies that were in China. They, they knew this, the thing broke out long before they told you it broke out. They've got articles here from uh, California where they, they swear they, they knew it was there at least in December in California. And uh, and some of them are even talking now. There's there's more like evidence being shown that was out in September. You see. And sure enough, I mean I've said before, even the last few years, I I watch these very carefully. I keep data on all these different what the CDC does and the WHO does and what they're following and all the little irrelevant things you may think are relevant, but you'll see patterns because every other year, for years now, we've had these oddball viruses come out to hit the respiratory tract and the lower respiratory tract causing pneumonias and they often don't even get labeled as far as we're told anyway as new they know they're new some things but they, they, it depends on how many people seem to get it uh, according to the attention it's going to receive and notification and, and publications etc but they're, they're, they're coming up more and more frequently and I really <laughs> being the character that I am, who've studied the, the, the nasty, 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 nasty stuff of the governments down through the ages, in a sense, a very real sense. Uh, really, uh, I'm, I'm watching. I'll tell you where the worst culprits are. Or they're the bio labs. I'll put up again the article that I put up a couple of times already from Harvard with a professor, Lipsitch, who as a, uh, an expert in his field in teaching biochemistry and he, he, a, he teaches those who eventually work in the labs and so on. Uh, and I'll put up, the, if, it, if it's still up there, his talk to students on, and his title of the talk, one of, the, one of these talks, which should, should, we, should we be making possibly um, infectious pandemic viruses in the lab? Now, I'll say that again for the hard uh, of thinking. Should we be making, uh, not finding or dealing with, but making these possibly 
pandemic viruses in the lab. Because that's what they do. And don't forget what I just said. I've been watching this for years, new things breaking out, that it's oddball things that are in the virus strains. Where do you think they're coming from? Hmm? And now it's getting more and more common, supposedly, just, just by itself. Eh? In a time when there's never been so many biochemists churned out from universities, all wanting money uh, for research and so on, or for, or for vaccines or whatever else they're into, all the spin-offs of it. And they live on grants, remember. Uh, well, you know, is a make-work project going to go here? Is it? it could, because any logical person would have to eventually ask that question. We live in the most greedy society that's ever existed. With who have the power to create things that which are deadly to the whole planet. And, and they're so greedy, like everybody else today. And probably psychopathics, because if you understand the kind of work they do and what they do, and there's, there's a lot of psychopathy involved in this too. I'll put up, by the way, the movie Andromeda, or, or, or linked if you can find it. The Andromeda strain is called. It was from the 1970s, I think, the first one was put out. I think there's a second one as well about uh, an outbreak in a small town in the States. And from a satellite that comes back from space, so that's how they put it there. But it shows you the, the real kind of bio-labs that they use. It's like level four or five even in that one. And the, the so-called safeguards that they have. And, and all the animals they test it on too, and they, and they gas one after the other, or, or, or they put them in with infected the infection itself to see how long it kills them and so on, and observe them and dissect them and test them. People who do that continuously, including the fact that what they're, if they're making these things, like they're making possibly potential pandemic diseases, <laughs> uh, making, again, them, do you really think they're just average people? Do you really think that, do you? Because what's the temptation to make something and release it and then have an antidote there for it? And the world's at your feet, isn't it? The whole world's at your feet. It'd be awfully tempting, eh? Awfully, awfully tempting. And 12 Monkeys, the movie, the guy who released it, the virus that kills off most of the folk on the planet, uh, it works in a lab, and he does it for ideological reasons. He, he just, he's an environmentalist. He thinks in eugenicism, the man's a scum, so kill him off quite easily. But we have more folk who live on greed today than you'd ever believe. And there's no doubt about it. There's, there's, this question is being asked, and they'll get hammered by that. You realize we're not living in a democracy. And the authorities who have all the money in the world and all the power in the world, because you buy it, you buy whatever you want. You can buy guaranteed silence if you want from other people by force, using force against you and all kinds of force, or worse even. Eh? So you have people today who have no problem uh, releasing something here and there and then coming out with uh, the, the solution to it. And don't forget that the whole big agenda, the people who are involved in all these things uh, are, are eugenicists. The people who come out, for, who are the biochemists who work for these labs are, are geneticists generally, completely wrapped in with genetics and eugenics. And it doesn't matter what group you look at, the agenda is this, too many people, too many of the wrong kind of people, they're elitists, yada, yada, yada. Hmm? 
They wouldn't go along with sustainability. They wouldn't cut back on their consumption. A la the Rio meeting that, that Maurice Strong was was the head of. Who would, he was really front man. It was drafted up by the Rockefellers with uh, Maurice Strong as the front man. And he, he had them all sign it into law, the Rio Summit for Sustainability and Biodiversity, as it was called. It's complete to sustainability. The Millennium Project and Agenda 21 all came out of that. And the present agendas of the climate agenda, which are the exact same agendas. Too many people cut them back and the climate will be better. And they've got to stop eating meat. They've got to stop this and stop that. I've got article after article, the same agenda getting pushed right now because you wouldn't do it voluntarily when you were told to do it. Hmm? Here's one article, just one from last year, one of many. And its population control policies to combat climate change prove deadly, demographer says. Hmm? That was November the 11th, 2019. A group of over 11,000 scientists are calling for population control measures to avoid severe human suffering from global climate change. I'll save it. If you just kill off a few people, they'll be less suffering. An ocean, a demographer says, is heavily tied to money and not actual science. The Alliance of Scientists signed a paper declaring a climate emergency is at hand and in order to limit the damage to the environment caused by greenhouse gas emissions. Most of the emissions, by the way, of greenhouse gases, you know, is water vapor. eh? And carbon is a carbon dioxide. is a trace gas, a trace gas. Anyway, facts don't matter. It says there must be more control over the massively booming global population currently increasing by over 200,000 people a day, it says the Daily Mail reported Tuesday. At the head of this international cohort of scientists is Oregon State Professor of Ecology, William Jai Ripple. I guess that's part of the Ripple Affair. And researcher Christopher Wolfe, who probably is one. The paper, which includes signatories from 153 nations, was published in the Journal of Bioscience, another eugenics paper, and calls for the replacement of fossil fuels with low-carbon renewables, a shift in the world's diet to plant-based foods, and the stabilization of the global human population. Stabilization, right? Among other things, we're not going to stabilize the human population. The paper portrays as a positive development the decline in recent decades of the global birth rate. Hmm. It's positive that, because it basically through abortion, eh? mind you, if you increase poverty, fewer and fewer folk can afford to have their children, and when they're offered uh, uh, what they call birth control uh, abroad in third world countries, they take abortion. It says, we are encouraged by a recent surge of concern. Governmental bodies are making climate emergency declarations. School children are striking. Yeah, no kidding, eh? They're all getting trained brainwashed at school. Ecocide lawsuits are proceeding in the courts. Grassroots citizen movements, all funded by the usual characters, are demanding change. In many countries, states and provinces, cities and businesses are responding, the paper reads in its conclusion. As an alliance of world scientists, we stand ready to assist decision makers in a just transition to a sustainable and equitable future. Equitable for whom? Stephen Mosher, president of the Population Research Institute in Front Royale, Virginia, told the Christian Post Thursday that it's their ideas that prove destructive, it says. 
And um, in fact, the proposal is to reduce the number of people born to reduce the amount of fossil fuels used to reduce the amount of food produced and to reduce the amount of land given over to production of food. All of these things will cause untold human suffering. And that's what it's supposed to do, folks. Moshe is as well versed in China's long history with population control, including their one-child policy that entailed state-mandated forced abortions and sterilization. He's also the author of 2017 book called Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is a New Threat to the World Order. And the Chinese Communist Party estimated 400 million people from 1980 to 2016 400 million of the most enterprising and hardworking people on the planet have been eliminated through forced abortions and infanticide after birth, he said. And then he goes on and on and on. And that says, when asked why scientists and others who push depopulation by making predictions of catastrophic events that fail to materialize, such as those set forth in Paul Ehrlich's 1968 book, The Population Bomb, are never held to account Moshe said it comes down to the role of grant dollars in scientific research. They keep getting funding to propagate these scary stories, he said, adding, in part, this is money-driven research. The Population Research Institute president, who has an advanced degree in oceanography, elaborated that if he were to conduct a study and ended up concluding that the mild increase in the Earth's temperature did not portend a global crisis, his grant would not be renewed. But if another researcher came to the different conclusion, particularly that a disaster is imminent, he would receive additional funds. With more money, he will purportedly be able to research more and solve the problem, Mosher explained. So this is just one of many, many articles coming out, you see. And, of course, I put out the study put out by the, the, the last climate change meeting that had the global meeting and their, and their conference of parties, as they like to call themselves, for the climate change group. And uh, they, they said the same thing. There's too many people that you're the problem because they're following the Club of Rome uh, agenda where the Club of Rome came up with the idea on behalf. They were, uh, they were tasked with finding something uh, that would fit the bill of justifying why you have to reduce population. And that's what they said, man is the enemy of the planet, man, you see. So it's, it's still ongoing. And Paul Ehrlich, too, his wife was on the on the board of the Club of Rome as well. It's a small world at the top, really. But many articles like that. So you, you bring people down, you cut back farming, as he says there, you, you cut back on energy costs and so on. It also helps, it helps the farm and, and transport and everything else. And you go back, as I say, until you're ill health. When you're ill health, you're malnourished, then you, you end up catching the diseases that were eliminated primarily because of better hygiene, better food. That's why most diseases started to wane off, wane away. That's the real reason. I, I, I really believe that. And, uh, and you, but you go backwards just the same way. I mean, it won't take that long, by the way. You know, your body starts to lose what it needs very quickly if it's not re- replenished all, all the time. And uh, you only see big, big changes of things you don't want to really see. So you bring it in with this agenda here. And already, again, we're all waiting for it. What happens when you stop folk working, eh? including people who, who work in the farms and so on? What do, you, what do you think happens? Hmm? Everything we're talking about here. Malnourishment. 
And now they're destroying the food. Well, you can't milk, just, just pour the milk down the gutters. You can't get folk to deliver it. Destroy all those eggs. Mind you, they do with nothing. There's nothing they don't do without. Nothing at all. This is all planned, folks. It's, it's like Brave New World, and it's also like what you saw in 1984, with 1984 having Julia, you know, and she's asked about. Um, what the elite have there, because she's up amongst the elite where they have all the best foods, and there's nothing those those bees don't have. Real coffee, real meat, real this, real, real, real vegetables, real potatoes, you know. Not that mush, that artificial mush they give the, the workers in the canteen, where there's not a bit of meat in it. Looks like meat, t- you know, it's supposed to taste like meat, but there's no meat at all. Old agenda, and you're living through the start of it now. And we'll get into it very, very quickly through the food situation, no doubt about it. Now, Bill Gates is a eugenicist. He, makes no, he doesn't make any pretense, so he's not. And he's all for helping the people and the people at the same time. But he's also into the alternate food for you all, again, you see, because he's part of the sustainability. He funds the sustainability, meaning there's too many folk, you see. And, but he wants the ones who are too many to eat uh, artificial food. I call it artificial food. So artificial egg made from plants backed by Bill Gates set to revolutionize cooking goes on sale at Whole Foods. And that's, um, that's 2013. The guy's been involved in this for years, his whole life actually, uh, and getting you off all the things. Uh, he wants farming destroyed, basically, especially the, the, anything to do with, um, with animal farming and proteins, etc., and milk and all that. And here's another article. No more beef and cheese. Go vegetarian by order of government food police. This article is from 2010. Wholesale changes to the nation's diet with a move towards vegetarian food and away from beef and cheese have been recommended by government advisors. A report commissioned by the Food Standards Agency suggests radical changes to what we eat and even how we cook. These include eating more seasonal produce to reduce transportation and switching to microwave ovens and pressure cook. If you want to destroy your food, put a microwave oven and to use less energy in preparing food. I would go beef, cheese, sugary foods and drinks such as tea, coffee and cocoa. It would become vegetables and pulses together with yogurt. And uh, beef would be a rare treat and it should really be excluded from the diet altogether, says a food standards agency. You don't understand, this is a big agenda, and all these agencies that you hear that seem to be authorized, you, you just got to kick them out and say, get off my back. You know, I'm not, I'm not voting for you or your agendas. The FSA says the switch is necessary as part of a move to a diet that is low in greenhouse gases, which are associated with climate change. That was a big one. Oh, it has to be you causing climate change. Nothing to do with the sun or anything. Oh, no. And again, it's all computer modeling with worst-case scenarios. eh? Just like the virus here. The report compiled uh, by a team from the University of East Anglia. Remember that one, too, where they had literally the scandals where they, 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 with their emails all came out, they all got published, but they're telling the, 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 all their scientists they fudge, they fudge all the statistics with a hockey stick and a whole bit with the graphs. Yeah, kind of like what we're seeing now with all these graphs coming out. Anyway, it says that, that schools, hospitals, and other public bodies should be expected to lead a change in national behavior by putting low greenhouse gas food on their menus. No kidding. I think you should tie some gas balloons to these characters and send them on a, a long journey across the sky somewhere. 
And anyway, the university was at the centre of allegations last year that had manipulated climate change data to magnify the... They're all on massive grants, and they're, they're dedicated to, to, to their own pockets. That's their dedication, is, is the grants that they get. And a report called Food and Climate Change will be controversial, given that many people may balk at being told what they should eat in order to meet greenhouse gas reduction targets. However, the recommendations will be welcomed by vegetarian campaigners. Now, who are the campaigners, eh? And those who support organic farming. No kidding, eh? Can you afford it? How many folk can really afford organic stuff? Well, never mind see it now with the lockdown, eh? <laughs> ay, 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 ay. Anyway, that's, that's that article too. You've got many articles like this. And, but again, folk float through it. They, they, they float through all this and, and through it all. They float through it and they don't notice it. Or they, they choose not to notice. There's a lot of choice involved in not noticing things. Like, like I say, when, you had, when the jobs all went to China as an example of, I don't want you to notice that. Hmm? Or sustainability. Or we're going to increase all your food. After the 2008 crash, you notice that the beef got priced out of sight in Canada. That's part of this agenda. It wasn't just because it was... No, it's this agenda, too. Priced out of sight. Until folk literally can hardly afford it. And, and in Canada, we don't know what we've been eating for years, actually. Most of it is tasteless anyway. Well, for, in Canada, uh, I, I did articles years ago, before the crash, in fact, and read them. They had articles about a joint of meat in Canada. Uh, It was literally glued together pieces from all over the world. The cut-offs from all different countries. And they would glue them up here. Glue and sell it. This is authorized by government to be sold to us peasants. As like a joint of meat, you know. I have no idea what it is or where it came from or what animal it even came from. And everything now, and I said it years ago, they slap sauce on everything. It's all tomato. Everyone's got tomato sauce and all these ready-made foods too. To train you that that's normal. Because eventually that's all you'll get if anything's got meat in it at all. Uh, it covers in, as I say, you don't have this pork or beef. It's kind of bland, a regular bland kind of taste. And they've been at this for a long, long time. Folk, folk just don't... You understand, when you end up caged in, in, in a prison cell, it's because you allowed yourself to, step by step, get pushed into it. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying here. And they're almost ready to, to set, the, set the, the real police dogs on anybody who speaks out about it. They can see how vicious they're becoming with, and swaggering, eh? As they boss their so-called fellow citizens around, like peasants. They're talking to peasants, eh? And this article too, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that's part of the Kennedy family, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., He's obsessed, Bill Gates, with vaccines and seems fueled by a messianic conviction that he is destined to save the world with technology and a godlike willingness to experiment on the lives of lesser humans. That was, that's a recent article, April 9th. On Tuesday, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the nephew of former President John F. Kennedy, took to social media and shared a lengthy message about billionaire Bill Gates and his obsession with vaccines. Vaccines for Bill Gates are a strategic philanthropy that freed his many vaccine-related businesses. 
including Microsoft's ambition to control a global VAC ID enterprise, a vaccine ID enterprise, that's Bill Gates' idea too, right? And give him dictatorial control over global health policy, the spear tip of corporate neo-imperialism. Gates' obsession with vaccines seems fueled by a messianic conviction that he's ordained to save the world with technology and a godlike willingness to experiment with the lives of lesser humans. Promising to eradicate polio when he talks about the, some of the history of this and so on, and the fact that some of these was getting sued by our countries where polio broke out. And that these are, I've got the ones even from the World Health Organization when they had to eventually admit that some of it was live viruses and so on. But anyway, <laughs> it's just a bit of a horror show when you read some of this stuff. But but yeah, this this guy isn't just who you think. He's a remember his father was into began is a eugenicist and and he, he talks openly about population reduction quite openly. Also, oh, there's an article that ties in with it. In fact, you can find lots of articles and interviews that's about Bill Gates and with Bill Gates over years where he's talked about his feeling more openly again in the 90s. And that's why people were really getting on edge in the 90s and why they had to get you back into just voting and politics and stuff like that. Because these characters, these technocrats, these front people for big, big, a big secret society above you all that you'd rather pretend that you didn't know about that, that manages depopulation projects, etc., and really runs the world. You know, just like the IMF and the World Bank, all set up by one institution, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and the IMF set up by them too, all private institutions set up by this one group that makes the future, that plans the future. And that's what Quarrel Quigley said about it. He said he was a member of it, the American branch, the CFR, and he agreed with all of his agendas, and, and uh, he just complained occasionally about some of his methods, but he, 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 he literally was a historian for what they did. They planned the world and, and the future and how it should all be and what happens, the cultural changes generation to generation internationally. Massive organized. It didn't go away. It's still here, big time, running the world with the Lucky Gene Club, etc., that Bill Gates and some others are members of too. And... Uh, in one article back in 19, I think it's 19, 1997 it was, George Magazine, a person put it up recently on a blog, he's got the copy of it, but uh, it's George Magazine, he used to be popular in 1997, he did the interview with Bill Gates, and uh, who did it, who did it then? It was John Kennedy Jr., who did the actual interview with Bill Gates back then, 1997, George Magazine. Uh, and February edition, the month of February, 1997. Survival Guide to the Future, Bill Gates in it. Sad, you can actually look it up if you can get a copy of it too. But there's other parts online taken from the magazine. It says, um, then there's Microsoft, a company that gets involved in very few political things. They don't, they, they make, they don't borrow politics. Politicians are for you to believe in. My own views are those you'd expect from somebody who feels like he's been very, very lucky and the resources under his command are really society's resources. And I have to be clever about how I'm going to funnel those back in. 
I fund education projects, and you can you can tell what he funds. The type they now grow up, they've grown up, and now they're their antifies and so on. These these kind of characters. I fund population control. That's how it's worded. I fund I fund population control, and I'm very big on the United Way. Don't forget, his, his dad also was up there with Julian Huxley with Planned Parenthood. Small world, eh? Just doesn't. Just, just, they just, just keep coming back the same names and same people and same families, and and have these agendas, and they're made awfully rich uh, in the front if they go along and push the agenda for the real guys. There's even ones real, <laughs> more real above them, folks. You know, but there's lots of articles like that going back, way back. He loved to boast back then. You understand? It's almost like people were in a kind of a. I never, never land back then. It's, it's true. It's, it's a fact. I've noticed that they, they didn't really. Uh, they kind of floated through the time they were in back then, and massive changes in the world were happening. But you were, they were kept kind of cushioned from it by the guys that manipulate the money and the banking system, and so they wouldn't. They, the full impact wouldn't be noticed so much. But people really accepted change and change and change until you had change is good. That all these ads out change is good training you into change, change, change. Of course, for the 21st century, it was to be the century of change, of transition. The great transition, here you are, a very occultic term as well, because man himself had to be transitioned, literally in some cases. Hmm? You're living through it today. So anyway, I'm going to touch on some of these articles. I'm going to remember, too, to ask those folk who send me a few bucks my way at cuttingthroughthematrix.com because I, I need the cash to tick along here. And for years and years and years, believe you me, I have turned all the biggest offers down uh, because I wouldn't compromise on pretty well anything, in fact. And uh, most folk buckle around you and they do compromise and they accept the money from this, that and the other until they're... And I've had the big speaking engagements offered to me too, the big organizations, world organizations. But no, because I'm a... A crazy stubborn guy, as they say, and I guess it's a genetic thing as well. Maybe that's why they keep trying to stamp out the people uh, that rose up and have the Celtic peoples, like the Irish and the Scottish. We've got an allergy against tyranny. Just immediately have an allergy against it. It's uh, it's awfully, it's definitely genetic, I think, and you just can't, uh, you just can't go along with it. So anyway, if you can send a few dollars my way, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, please make a list of the sites listed on the CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. These are my official sites. These are my official sites. And you can go into them and find out how to donate money to me. Um, and you can find out how to even send money, even cash or, or check. It doesn't matter. And you can also, from some countries, uh, you can still get international postal money orders from some countries. Uh, you can't do inside uh, this, uh, this or the states to Canada. I think they've done away with them now. Maybe I'm not sure. Your post office will tell you. But anyway, you can still send cash my way and find out how to do it, or use PayPal or take it from there. Because I got to keep my soldiering on, especially this time, because. Believe you me, as we're going through this, there's so much disinformation going on. What you've seen already in disinfo has nothing to do with counterintelligence. One of the first laws 
of, of being a counterintelligent agent is to make sure you confuse something that's detrimental, a truth that's detrimental to whatever organization you're working for or country you're working for. And you always find them with anything that happens. Immediately put out people to, 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 to first divide, divide the, the people who are against what's happened. Whoever, it's like 9-11. 9-11 happened, right? But very, 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 pretty quickly, you had ones come out. Oh, I, there's no planes at that tower, you know. So it, 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 the camp is divided. Now, before you've got all these, vo- these voices ready for petitions and protest and demanding, and some, now you're a half and two. Some are the ones who see something, the other ones who saw nothing. Yadi, and then you got another one came up with, with different weaponry. And you ran the state united, right? Which gives you power to get something done. You instantly must muddy the waters, divide, conquer, divide, conquer, until you, they all can't get along with each other. Anymore. And then the whole thing falls away. You're, you've just dissolved your problem, your opposition, you see. And it's the same thing with, it, with this coronavirus. And they're bringing politics onto, into it. As, as though as all this was done supposedly just to get rid of Trump. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that even, even Donald Trump is, is a, his own boss? Do you really believe that too? Do you really, really believe that? I mean, we've seen the PNAC group run America for, for, for well over a generation or two, easily, and publish their, their, own, <laughs> their own boasting about it and articles and so on. Huh? And there, there are no, there's, there's no politician looking after the public. There's none. They'll all play to the to the galleries, as say, and play to the crowd and the and the audience. That's what they do. There's so prostitute, so much prostitutes as, as politicians that they pretend they care just to get a voting base to back them. So whatever they can, they can, they can shout and complain about is, is what they'll do. It's nothing to do with helping the public at all. But they help themselves, don't they? They'll end up being multi-millionaires on salaries of what seventy grand a year or something. This is, I guess, they're just more thrifty. But we're living a corrupt time, a terribly corrupt time, and there's bosses above all these people, all of them. They, they can make or break them instantly too. Just with even the, using the press alone, they can break them with scandal if they want to, any of them. Or blackmail them into doing their bidding, any of them. So you'll remember that it's vastly different than what you think. Look at all these, these new institutions that now are supposedly familiar and they've been there for 10, 15 years. So they're called old institutions. And now run your life because all the big part of governing has been farmed out to private agencies in every country. And then these private agencies are like, are like international cartels and chains so like, that run, run the world with policies and everything. Well, did you vote for any of this? Of course you. So why do you even pretend they're democratic? Why do you even pretend go through this farce? Hmm? It's just, uh, it's rather sickening, isn't it? Terribly sickening. So let's get into some of these articles here. And, and before I get off it to the topic here, to do with, with chips and tattooing, hmm? before I forget this here, you know, sometimes you have to just draw back and just silence your mind and think 
very easily, easily. Don't force anything, because most knowledge you already have inside your mind. It's, it's astonishing how much you'll soak up with your bits and bytes of information. It's the ability to just pull it back in different, different areas and put it together quickly until it becomes natural. That really makes a difference. And you, you certainly do it if you try. But you've got to still the mind, first of all, out of all the nonsense and the hype and the noise out there. I call it noise of information. I used to give talks on data, how you, you, that, that your manipulators, your behaviorists said they would overload you with data on the internet. That's another way of disabling you, naturally. Never mind the fact you're directed off of what you're trying to search into things which are kind of associated with it initially, and then they go off on different tangents until you're, again, your counterintelligence, you're just being <laughs> diffused, basically. That's how it's done. But you've got to keep your mind just still initially and get the noise out of it, all, all the useless data. Because that's all it is, it's just useless information, most of it. And concentrate on that which is important, you see. If you have animals in the wild, they, they don't hang around. If they're wild animals, if you start playing a brass band or a loud record even, you know, they, they, they just want to get away to think. Because their survival as a wild animal depends on silence and thinking. You can't do it with the noise. They wouldn't even hear a predator coming towards them because of the noise. Their, their mind would be so shocked out of its, if its natural guarding stance and awareness. And we're the same. You've never seen so much incredible data thrown your way by all the media at the same time. As I said before, the media uh, literally were, were getting handouts from government for years now because folk didn't want to read it anymore since the Levinson Inquiry in Britain and the laws that came out there until literally the, the, the media was, any real journalism was just neutered. There wasn't a lot to start with, but it was completely neutered then. Australia did the same thing and Canada did the same thing again. So since then, no one cared about the trash that, that they put forward as news, substituting celebrities uh, for news. That's not news, you know, that's entertainment. Who cares about them, really, you know? And but that's what they gave and, until, again, the, the only thing, the, when they start, started coming back to life, when people were putting out the, 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 the warnings of this coming disease, early on, and the media were told to ignore it. And then they were told to hit back anybody who was a conspiracy theorist who was saying there was some terrible disease out there. Just call them nutcases and conspiracy. That's what that's standard, routine, uh, basically intelligence-type warfare. That's what they do. And the media's quite happy because they're getting paid for it. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, the press of a button. I remember putting a show out not that long ago when the media all went on the action and they went overboard beyond any conspiracy theorists with terror, terror, fear, terror, you're all going to die. And it's been the same ever since, you see. Because they were told to do that. Terrify the public. They did it. Until the public literally uh, are so obedient, as I've said, uh, that uh, Peter Hitchens in that YouTube video has said that he, they're all shocked at how, how fast the folk just complied and gave up all their rights and freedoms and obeyed them. <laughs> uh, really something, eh? That's how training can, works awfully well, especially a good campaign of terror. And we've been through a terror campaign. It's still ongoing. 
But think back on it. Think back on it. All the rights just tossed out the window. And they're suddenly obeying silly cops. Silly cops telling you you can't sit in your garden. Huh? You're not allowed out. They literally take it verbatim outside for one hour at a time for a walk. For exercise. You can't sit and have exercise if you're doing yoga, cause, which sometimes you'll do that if you're doing yoga. So you've all these ridiculous arguments with cops all, from all over the place with different things happening. Or someone who, who can't walk that far, having a rest on a seat somewhere, halfway between their place and where they live, and, and the, the store to get their food. Getting harassed by these thugs. That's what they're thugs, folks. Thugs. You understand, the police are no different in the military. That There's laws they're supposed to obey. And when something goes against good conscience or, or detrimental to the public, they're supposed to refuse to do it. I hope you understand that. So the ones who are not refusing it are thugs. And if they're thugs, they'll do a lot worse than that when they're told to. You better get that through your heads too. This is coming down the pike. And if this does, if this first breeze of this does fly over, remember, don't forget it because it'll happen again. You've got to start working to start putting it back in under law for right away instead of these rules and regulations. That's not law. That's not law. Big difference. So don't forget whatever happens. But getting back to what I'm saying, think back to your propaganda you've had for years and years and years and years and years and years, you see? Because because you're told what things in the past were horrible. Uh, and there's always, there's, you know, different groups, and special interest groups, the ones against the communists, for instance, and the, and the massive slaughter of, uh, of people with the communist or the Bolshevik revolution. Millions were slaughtered with it, you know, shot in the head. There's even awfully good documentaries done on it, if you can stomach them. The brutality was horrible because, again, Lenin uh, dictated they must have a reign of terror, just like the, the French Revolution is. And they're connected, by the way. It's not happenstance either. A reign of terror on the public to make them obey. And then they slaughtered everybody who could be a problem. They had the list of everybody who could be a problem. Even those people who didn't know they were a problem yet, and students who just came from middle-class families, or even lower-middle-class families, or religious people. Lists and lists of them, and they brought them into basements and, and shot them in the back of their head. And they ran like a factory. And folk walked in when they were given summons to go and see them. Guards didn't have to drag them into the basements. They, they, they okay, okay, I'll be authority. But millions were slaughtered. There to be 60 million, maybe more, during the entire reign of the, the Soviet era and all the Soviet bloc countries. I did the documentaries with, with Bulgaria and so on, put them up years ago. And how the folk who were survived are still horrified yet as they were digging up more mass graves. Because that's what they do, folks. That's the real world. Don't, don't think it's some foreign thing from, uh, it never happened to your country. Well, these, these people in these countries didn't believe it ever happened in their countries either, and it did. It did. And now here's the thing, though, you, you, th you think about Bill Gates and his amazing agendas and his depopulation, as he's vocal about it, depopulation is the word, right? A la Julian Huxley type and eugenics. Hmm? And, uh, and he's got the money and power and the connections because there's a big club at the top. You see, he's doing all this, a big club. He's not the only one there. 
the really run world, they, they can sink countries overnight but withdrawing money or causing you know, catastrophes within countries through financial means. Quite easy to do, just like Soros. Remember he boasted about it, it was in the newspapers, he did an interview. Uh, a few years afterwards, boasting about how he, if I phoned a couple, to a couple of my friends, he says, we, we all arranged to, to put in investments that would sink the country, and then Britain would have to bail itself out and borrow from, from the banks and them, probably. But he boasted about it quite openly. And Gates is the same ilk, you see. All real villains in the Bond movies were not countries. They were these these rich, strange folk who belonged to these these strange clubs, big clubs, very powerful people. That's closer to the truth, you see. Now you take again Germany that, that literally praised the work of the eugenicists in Britain and in London and the Darwinian associations. It's still there, yeah. The Genetic Society they changed its name twice, I think. A lot of I don't a lot of his publications were listed there. In fact, you could read them. And they tried to tone it and change it a bit because of World War Two. Because when Germany actually put it into practice openly, whereas the West and America, they'd got to the stage of forced uh, sterilization and abortion for what they called uh, for certain families that were just weren't up to par. And Hitler went further along that, that road with scientific socialism, right? That's what it is. Scientific socialism. Or, and secular humanism all tied together, you see, where the technocrats should just be efficient and get it all done and, and wipe out the problems. Very simple. And they went ahead to do it. Well, of course, it gave, it gave, uh, it gave eugenics a bad name. And Julian Huxley wrote volumes of stuff trying to cover the, the eugenic society in Britain and, and, and try to hide what they were really up to for a while. And that's, that's even been admitted to now by the same societies that still run eugenics in Britain. So um, I've got the articles right in front of me, in fact, but it's too long to read. But anyway, you think about that. Now, now you're taking Bill Gates... Now, I don't watch TV, eh? but apparently his face is everywhere as a saviour because he wants to use his vaccine down the road, you see. It's not just his. I think even Fauci's got some, some say in the thing, too, because Fauci's, again, they all have their own private corporations that are worth millions, and Gates is, is kind of joined at the hip to some ways with Fauci as well, or vice versa. Uh, and Gates is, is getting massive uh, funding towards Fauci's group. They're all involved. There's nobody here that, that's not compromised in some way uh, with, with a big massive profit motive here and other things as well, obviously. But you, you take... You, I can remember Bill Gates. There's articles there, too, where IBM used to, used to have lawsuits out there about people stealing their, their, their different their programs, etc. And, and Microsoft was one of them, apparently. You know. Now, think about this. IBM are often claimed to be running the Kardec system of, of for, for the for the German Nazi party at the time, uh, including all the, the people who went to forced labor and, and entered the camps and all the rest of it. They had, they had, they had, them, they had them what, supposedly? Tattooed, a lot of them. Is it starting to... Have you seen a link here somewhere here? Tattoos in your arms. And this is not exactly what Bill Gates is <laughs> after the of the last few weeks here. One of his companies, along with MIT, working with a tattoo for the arm that's your ID with your health and everything in it. Can experiments, perhaps? Is, is that maybe tied in with it, too? Ding, ding. Is, is something connecting here, eh? 
So IBM, again, a system that went into, again, computerization, Bill Gates' computerization, and IBM before that was into the business machines, including just keeping tabs on people, data collection back then, World War II, for the people involved. And uh, you have like, tattoos and on and the arm, and it's all recycled stuff back again, and, and people are not connecting the dots here. Huh? And Bill Gates is population control. Okay. Population control, eh? Mm, because there's too many of what maybe the wrong people, I suppose, eh? And he works with all these big foundations that, that work with population control and abortion and who knows what else, eh? But he wants to help the people. Would you trust a guy like this? Or any of these characters? After all, what you've learned here, right? And what's freely available to read, it's not conspiracy theory here. This is published stuff, including from MIT and from and other articles praising Bill Gates for, for his ideas for, for a, a chip, you know, implanted in the, in the, in the, in the vaccine. <laughs> And uh, tattoos, etc., with your ID and all your medical information. Are you starting to get the picture here? But he wants to de- depopulate the planet. What part of this doesn't compute here? Hmm? And why is he getting all this incredible airtime everywhere? Is he just buying the airtime? Or is it a hold over every country? You understand, the politicians do what they're told from, from more powerful sources than you or I. Well, how come this isn't getting tied into what it obviously is? Mm-hmm. It's surprising. I'll tell you what I was thinking, too, you know, about the... You understand, this is the new Klondike as well, where, where your slavery for the future is guaranteed with the massive bank bailouts and the devaluation of currency that's inevitable right now, right? You'll never ever recover that. Never. It's not meant to be recovered because you're going in. It's all to bring about the new system. You're being forced into it because you wouldn't go along with it before. You kept spending. You, were, you weren't sustainable. And you kept consuming. Can't have that. And I, and I thought too, I thought, my God, Bill Gates and um, computers and data collection and tattoos on your, on your, on your arms. And for the children too, eh? With all the ID, the digital electronics, and, and records of their health, who they are, everything about them isn't just for your health, folk. This is everything, and uh, scannable by the authorities. Eh? <laughs> this is horrible. There's so many sci-fi's were put out too. You even like Fortress, where they'd scan you and had you had your chip and everything else too. Same kind of thing. Dystopic. Well, here, here's your dystopia. It's here, right in front of your face, and you're seeing it being put across like, like evangelism of science, the evangelism of scientists in scientific tyranny that Bertrand Russell said they, they, they'd bring in. Here we are, and they've trained you. That's going to be a wonderful thing. What a miracle that is, eh? A miracle from hell, eh? So slickly done, and folk can't see what it is. Oh, just astonishing from someone who says he's for population control and reduction. Uh-huh. And he's just the front of a massive organization behind it all. I thought myself, too, about that other movie. It was out, uh, V for Vendetta, you know. And um, 
entertaining as usual, and as these kind of movies always are. But it was, again, it was a dystopic society that could be presently here, right? same type, where you're, you're locked in your homes in a sense, you, you, you know, and um, you have a, a tyrannical authority that's a, an emergency government that's now permanent because it formed itself after a, a, a plague was released upon the public. And, uh, of course, the whole plot of it is that it was deliberately re released by the ones at the very top of this tyranny that took over under the pretense of saving you all. And, and they would go after anybody that was a conspiracy theorist, meaning someone who understood what had happened and, and could write or talk about it, uh, and they'd imprison them and so on. And the guy V for Vendetta was one of the people who were prison, made prisoners at one point. He was a problem. Like, like all the other prisoners, but most of them had their spirits broken. And there's a scene in it where the doctor, one of the doctors that worked with this group at the top, with experimental vaccines and so on, that killed most of them eh? horribly, all for the for the you know for the, the interest and the and the betterment of science. She, so when the, when the V character goes after her. He's got a mission to. You always get people who who get vengeance in these movies. You never get in real life, but and, and they have vengeance in the movies. Uh, kind of like an opera, you know. I, I can remember operas at one time. Uh, certain ones got played in, in Italy, and and it, they, they didn't have good endings in one or two of them. And the people in the towns, the people that went there, went riding through the streets. So they changed the end of the operas to make it a happy ending. Because that's what we want as humans, isn't it? Where justice, real justice is, is done, eh? But we never really get it in reality. But getting back to Viva Vendetta, he was after the doctor. And she says, well, yeah, these, these people eventually began to despise them. They, were, they, they looked at the floor, they stumbled in for their shots and so on. And I began to despise them as not human. And that's how they see you eventually. That's what science sees you, like another animal. The very fact that their spirits were broken made, made her feel disgust all the more for them. And, and that's really how humans are, especially the scientific crew and those who have authority over other people. That's unfortunately where it tends to go. It's, it's very elitist. And if you're into eugenics in any way at all, you're completely elitist. And your, your, your viewpoints, in either way, you'll discuss things are elitist. It's like when David Suzuki, and I should have put the, the talks up years ago, was those clips up there from giving talks to his students way back when he was young. And eugenicist, he, said, he was again a eugenicist, and he, he said that people are just maggots, he says. You, you actually hear him, you look up the link. And he said, uh, he says, different layers of maggots, he says, and at the top you have the people who are maggots and they, they, they excrete and the people down below them eat the, the, what's left and so on and then they excrete and so it's a trickle, like a trickle down theory he was, he was explaining, until the ones at the bottom, the great, the great mass of just the, the, these other ones at the bottom were just a mass of maggots and that's how they, he explained it. It's very much, uh, it goes along the territory of, of being a eugenicist. They'll call themselves realists, by the way. And um, they'll try and rationalize everything that they do by saying, well, look, this is self-evident and blah, 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 you know. And I, I've mentioned before, years ago, I knew someone, casually, really, uh, as a woman who worked in school systems, 
in Canada. Uh, very pleasant, very nice person. Uh, but she, she'd somehow get pulled out every so often and go off and work at the United Nations and and uh, and travel parts of the world. And I, I always wondered how she could even do that and still keep a job back home. Because I guess it's like being in the military in wartime. You, your job is kept open for you coming back if you're essential, really, or important. But that way, important is the word, I guess. Because it really didn't happen in real life and wars before the guys came back and found their jaws were all filled. But anyway, she'd been off to, to, to China and getting all the, the real indoctrination of how they managed to, to keep the population down, the one-child policies, and how they'd literally pull women in. Uh, they were trying to keep a secret they were pregnant for the second child. And they would drag, they'd even train the public, you see, in China at that time, uh, in the villages and towns. If they saw a person with another bump there, they would literally drag them out and drag them to the abortion clinics. Did the public train to do it? It's easy to train the mob to turn on you. And and she thought that was great, you see. And I said, well, what am I? I says, well, what are you doing over there? She says, because well, you've got to use the same process everywhere else in the world, she said. And I says, what do you mean? You, 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 you want to promote this even mandatory abortion? She says, well, it has to, it has to come, she says. And I said, well, what, what on earth gave you the right to, to even do this and decide for other people? I mean, and she says, well, somebody's got to do it. And these, these people see themselves as pragmatists. And, and they believe that the, 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 the easiest way to solve their problem is the shortest route to it. They have no, no qualms, you see. Efficiency is a technocratic term. And, and the world is to go into technocracy run by experts for efficiency's sake. I gave talks on this years ago. Uh, many of them too, in depth. And uh, as I say, it, it's just astonishing that that folk don't know what's even going on around them, and who even a lot of, a lot of these people actually are. Even they might even know themselves. And because you, you might like the person, you'll see what's well, don't we all? You won't think bad of them, which means you're not thinking bad of what they're actually up to. But if you really sit back and you put in a movie form or a, or a book form or even a novel, you'll see what a bad character that is, you know. And that's how it is, folks, you know. And this professor has come out from Australia. I put up the links for his talks years ago, too. When every, every year he'd pop up uh, as a, uh, and, and give his talk on depopulation. And, and it's time that people stop retiring. They should just die at 65. It's not about euthanasia, folks. That's after the last bank crash. Isn't that amazing? That's the answer to it. Just, just stop collecting pensions. Then that money can be used for other things. And, and the younger people can get jobs. And he says, well, what a liar. Forget all, any excuse. They, they're, they're murderers, these people. They want to kill you all. Because there aren't any jobs for the public. How can you have jobs But before even this coronavirus hit? They're already testing out universal income and basic income also called universal credit for some countries, and keep folk in, just staying at home and, and pay them just to, to be unemployed. So their excuses fall flat. You can't have it both ways. Die off and leave jobs for the young when the jobs aren't there anyway. They're all over in, in the Far East where the cheap labor is for your corporate leaders. Huh? So don't fall for this. Yeah, Let's, let's all get tattoos and by someone who, who, who's wanting to number you all and, and, and have all your data and treat you like a child or a lab rat or an animal 
and, and make sure you're up to date with every, every possible vaccine that's out there. Because that's what they want to do, folks. Huh? And you won't be the $6 million man, believe you me. Well, we can rebuild. No, no. Whatever they do, you know, I, I saw no way. When you give up your right to decide what goes into your body, you're done for. You're done for. And that's a right, folks. That's a right. And don't forget the vaccinations. They're, they're, work, they're, they're all been working. I've got all the articles by the characters who different universities and all had their own businesses, just like Fauci as well. Same thing. One's in London as well. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, they were all working fervently. Because oh, it's Klondike time, right? It's vaccine Klondike, right? Uh, you, you, the, the billions are getting tossed everywhere if you get your hand out, if you've got a, a scientific lab somewhere. Oh yeah, sure. Give me the billion, and I'll try. And I'll try this, and I'll try that. No problem. Uh, you want an app? We can trace the public for you with the app. See, uh, give us give us a few million for this, and a few million for that. Every every oh, every piranha in the planet is in on this act here right now. Disgusting, disgusting. To enslave their fellow humans for profit. Ah. Oh. But yeah, I, I, I really am surprised if we're watching this with Bill Gates all every night of the week, uh, without the fact who's putting them on. Huh? He's no expert. He's no expert in running the lives of other people. I didn't vote for him. Did you vote for him? Does any, do you know anybody that votes for Bill Gates? And he's going to, be, he's going to what, give himself the authority, but maybe to do all this to you and have your governments mandate it, you know, that you get it all done? Really? And these vaccines aren't just old vaccines. These types are, are going to change the cells in your body permanently. That's what they're for. <laughs> just like V for Vendetta. Line them up there. Have them all look at the floor. Don't end them look you in the eye. Just hit them in the head with a rifle butt. You know, that's the peasants. Yeah, that's what they do. It's a, not a bad movie in some of the, the, the areas it goes into. But the, and also too show you that the, the standard technique of how they rule the public. They always have the guy at the top. I think it was John Hurt was the, the real bad leader type who had arranged to have that uh, disease released upon the public that killed a whole bunch of people, and that was the excuse that he used to get into power. And of course, they had a lot of PC stuff too, which was was a, you know and themes that really didn't even belong in it. To be honest with you, you know, with special interest groups of different kinds. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the public are the, we're all part of the public. But the fact is that we can't even get together because of special interest groups. Everybody's so divided in their own little thing, you see. Sad, isn't it? Divide, conquer, divide, conquer, divide, conquer. And there's no opposition to anything, really. But in Viva Vendetta, they also had below the, the chief guy, they have um, the radio propaganda station giving you the, the news, what they would do, and the guy who would practice and gesticulate and be loud in front of the camera and the microphone. And they're going to crush these enemies into his screaming and yelling, which is like a go- you always get a Goebbels type. It doesn't matter what you know, CIA uses them too, you know, that type of technique across the planet. So it's the same technique over and over again of how things are done. That's just that they, they follow a formula, 
and that there are scientific groups that say the ones that, that, that experiment on the on prisoners and kill them and, and, pro and dissect them and study the dissection, just like that's what you do with lab animals too. The, all animals that are used in experiments are dissected afterwards. They, you can't allow live ones to go. It's interesting. I've even got articles from, from quite a few years ago when uh, people were, were actually caught from the lab in, in China, that main one, um, selling animals for food. <laughs> that had been used in experiments. There's many ways to get stuff out of a laboratory in a country where people can get a lot of money for certain kinds of food. You think about that too. There's eggs used too in making a vaccine, you know that as well, eh? And uh, you can have a lot of eggs left over that have been uh, partly uh, <laughs> processed along that route for vaccines. Imagine eating them later. So there's a lot more to this than meat CI, folks, you know. When you have criminal activity, and people are, there's so many folk have tendencies for criminality, you're always going to have things like this happening. Always. It's no different than the Harvard professor, the one that was caught uh, working for China. But he worked also for the Department of Defense in the U.S., the Pentagon departments for that too, biowarfare type thing. But he also worked for the, for the Chinese. They knew this all along, for goodness sake. They knew what he was up to. And then he was arrested. It's astonishing what, what comes out, and people forget it so quickly, because again, then they overload you with data to take you off the target of what's really happening, and to to disable you with with ridiculous stuff. Actually, divide conquer, divide conquer. If you just stuck to the basic facts, this thing came out of you know where this, and China did admit it initially. You know, or pretty well, pretty soon after it came out. And then you stick to, and then, then you find out what it's for. These labs, and you've had other experts come out and say what these labs are for. They create the viruses. Well, just in case they should ever jump from an animal uh, to to human, we should do it first. You see, and that way we'd understand the process if it actually broke out. Maybe we could create a vaccine before it happened. Do you really do you really swallow this rubbish? This is taught to them. That they'll they'll part this off to you. I remember doing the talks when, when the, uh, they sent out guys to, to look for the corpses, frozen corpses from 1918 flu pandemic. I remember doing the articles that saved them from hard copy. And then they did it again. And then they, 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 one of them published it in these newspapers and magazines. Oh, this is wonderful. This guy has dug up. He found some frozen corpses in Alaska and some in Canada, north of Canada. And, and, and they got live they got samples that were frozen of the lung tissue. And then, of course, they took to Fort Detroit and other places and revived the darn thing. And then a few years later, they, they, they said, my God, but we've actually made it more potent now. Just in case it should come back and, and jump and become more potent by itself, we've already done it. Do you, do you, do you realize what you're dealing with here? And do you realize what the incredible temptation is for, for people who run the world to get a hold of this stuff or do it or even pay for this to happen? They're very ambitious people and they really mean what they say. They really do. The one good, it's one good thing about that, <laughs> the Cold War. The one good thing is that the leaders of all sides didn't want to die either, you see. But with this thing, you see, 
if you create the darn thing and you have a, a, a quiet antidote somewhere, you can be immune to it. It's not going to affect you and a, a select group of military, etc., and scientists and technocrats that will they'll be around you, you know. It's like that movie Moonraker. Remember Moonraker, the James Bond thing? Again, another multi-billionaire type megalomaniac who found a, a kind of fungus from a, I think it was from a, it was a plant or something. Or, but it was deadly from Latin America. From, it was from, I think, orchids of some kind. So in Moonraker, the, the mad uh, businessman and scientist billionaire, multi-billionaire, had uh, created a, a space station way out to, and he was going to put all two-by-twos, you know, like, like Noah's Ark type thing, the best physical types of humans in it, male and female, and he was going to set off uh, globes that would go back to the earth containing a type of very rare orchid, I think it was an orchid type thing. And uh, it would mix with, in the atmospheres it burned up, it, it wouldn't quite burn up completely. And all these little spores would come down, kill, and sterilize the general public. Uh, quite, a, quite a plan, eh? <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of the Genesis today who just drool over that kind of idea. But uh, it, that, was, that was the theme of, this, of the story. It was much the same again. Where the where the the guys there's too many people and they're the wrong kind of people and they're just basically useless eaters and and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. The better folks should have the world for themselves, you see. And nothing changes. It isn't this mantra because it's the same organisation that's been around for an awful long time. I hope you understand that. We understand this. It's an old old idea. Now they have the power to do it. Starting with the power of money, as I say, every every country is now interdependent, as they call it, through free trade, and all the treaties that they've signed on to, which they should never have touched. But again, we're not run by our politicians. Your politicians are puppets that are told what to do, and you sign away all your rights to to be self-sufficient. Look at us now; we can't even have face masks. You, you've got people trying to make face masks at home now. You can't, you can't make anything. In fact, you can't even get food anymore <laughs> in some places. There's a big story coming up. Because, again, this is all part of the war, isn't it? That's where you get in warfare. Well, you get the food supply reduced. And now you're into that mandatory austerity that I gave talks about that folk laughed at that was all signed into law years ago under sustainability by your own politicians. Well, here you are. You're not laughing now, are you? So I'll read a few of these articles here. And again, the spin that comes out when big money's involved has them all pointing in certain directions because they've been all told to get the blame away from anybody else, etc., right down to even where it came out from, <laughs> which negates the fact that, that China has said already that it came from the lab. Eventually they said that, not that long ago. And of course, we know that it took a route to the lab as well. It came from the U.S. as well. It was pretty well given to them, and then they were given money. That's true. They were given money by the U.S. and other countries too, I've no doubt, to develop this stuff because the U.S. thought that um, the, the gain of function, and have the articles here on the gain, of, the gain of function, to do with coronaviruses was too dangerous for it to even do inside America. Hmm? 
So let's give it to the Chinese. Here's something, I just, before I do forget this, because sometimes you get ideas on the periphery of your mind that just kind of revolves slowly around there and, and you'll see it once in a while. But I can remember again years ago reading on air speeches, of said before, speeches from the president of China. You know, boring stuff. But what struck me was, I've mentioned this before, what struck me was his insistence that the West keep to the treaties that had been signed to do with population control. And it's never elaborated upon because it obviously it's meant for the leaders in the countries to go, and okay, we signed this and we're implementing our own agenda. I hope you understand that this is how they talk to each other. It's just that you don't read their stuff. It is boring stuff. But you were surprised the nuggets you get inside of it. Because you've never heard of these treaties getting signed that you must go along with depopulation to, etc., etc. Now, let's say we make a movie here, right? Eh? We're, we're a bunch of, it's very biblical in a sense, where a passage in the New Testament says that, um, and it's in Revelation, and the people, and, and the kings, the leaders of the world, you see, the rich men and the kings and so on conspired against their own peoples. So is there a club that they'd formed <laughs> where the leaders all are in a private group, like Spectre or something like that, the, the James Bond thing again, eh? They, they conspire against their own peoples. For, in other words, it's for nefarious purposes. And of course, the last thing you would ever think of, because you're trained to be naive forever, you know, that your leaders are really there for you, but they're not there for you, and they're not really your leaders either. They're they're there to serve much higher powers than you, and it's not it's not what you would think of as a, a god in the sky or somewhere. It might be gods in a sense, in the in the, in the humanistic form that they are gods. You know, that's what they think they are, and uh, in earthly form. But think about it. Supposing everybody's working in this together. <laughs> In a good novel, we're talking about a novel form, like a movie or something. So these these guys get together and sign all these quiet treaties and agreements with each other and promise not to tell the, their peoples back home. And then they go to work on, on figuring a way to, to depopulate. Yeah? So one country gives another country the, the virus that's partly worked on already, right? Uh, and it gives them the funding to, to kick it off as well, some of the funding to start up as well. Uh, and then you have other ones involved in the same group that, that work to get a vaccine for it, you see. Because they've got to protect themselves first, right? And it's a law and bio-warfare. They're supposed, every stage of the gain of function, that they make something utterly lethal. You can take something that's very, very innocent and, and harmless, as most viruses are, you know, and give it a gain of function. Which really means you've now altered it to, to attack whatever target you've altered it for, you attack animal or human. And you're supposed to have the, an antidote to it every stage of, of change, of the gain of, gain of function, you see. And you do find, yes, coincidentally in real life, you'll find people have patents on, par- including the inserts, by the way. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Uh, who who <laughs> who you see every day on TV has got the, the patents for the inserts, putting inserts into... You've heard of the HIV inserts that were put on that thing, uh, or very similar. Some of them will say very similar 
if, if not identical to HIV inserts. Well, you wouldn't believe who's got the patent on that, would you? Uh, so you put that in it too, you see, with this private club at the top, and, and they would make an antidote to it as well. But they would also achieve their goal of depopulation for the rest of the public, and so and cause a, a form of chaos for a while as they depopulate and things go down and folk riot. And they've already worked out how to take, how to take care of the rioters over a period of months, years, or however long, and starve the rest as well, you know. You could do an awfully good movie. By the way, get, I'm talking about that too. Maury Strong, this, this oddball Maury Strong that was picked up by Rockefeller and put in charge of oil fields and trained in how the world really, really works, a la Rockefeller and his elite club that's this part of the same big world club that still runs it all today. And uh, Maury Strong actually talked about that. He had been a, he, he, now, he was at the World Economic Forum and, and the World Bank and all the rest of it. Right? He was at the United Nations. and He, he had the red carpet treated. Literally, the red carpet unrolled for him where he had visited countries. No one would explain why he got this treatment. But I know his history, too, and, and his family history. But anyway, Maurice Strong quips. And this was in the newspapers and magazines at the time because uh, it was kind of... Uh, Unique in a sense, a guy of, of his status, he never had a job in his life. He wasn't appointed to, you know, by this club that, that he worked for. But but he says, he says, uh, he was musing, I think it was at the World Economic Forum, he says, what if a, a band of terrorists came in here and took over this place eventually and held the whole world to ransom, etc., financially, etc., and certain conditions were made, and blah, 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 and you know, he rambled on. It was almost like... A, he was rambling about a dream they'd love to have fulfilled, in a sense, about the, the, about the general public and the planet and the, the change they would bring in and all the rest of it through this takeover of the entire world's economy. And he used that like a... Uh, he was going to use it for a, a, like a novel, he said. You know, it would be a good book, a good novel to read. Well, coming from a guy who attended all these big meetings and, and made decisions that could make or break nations... Uh, it was a bit scary to some people when they, when they actually saw this come out of this character. But that's what they amuse about, these guys, you know. Maurice Strong, who, who said uh, after the, 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 the Rio summit and then the, uh, out came the, the, the Treaty on Biodiversity, where all the animals and insects have rights and trees, but the people have none at all. And he was asked openly, he says, about, well, there's, there's nothing in it about rights for any human here, you know. And he says, he says, by the time you're finished, he says, you would wish you had the same rights as a tree. Well, no one elected him to anything. They're disappointed, you see, by the folk who really run the world. And then they, 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 they put their, their, their drafted out parchments out into every government to sign into law on biodiversity and sustainability and depopulation and all the rest of it, folks. Where on earth do you get this idea you've got rights and you've got democracy? Where on earth do you get that? Where do you get it from? Where have you been? Huh? Now, the articles. <laughs> I'll get back to them again. I'll put some up to me. And some YouTubes as well. Because it's nice to see what uh, your, 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 your prison wardens are doing. You know, as you go around your streets and order you indoors and and say, how long have you been out now? Well, we've known you've been, you've been out for longer than one hour. We saw you already an hour ago. I'm not, I've got one doing that too. It's just disgusting, isn't it? Uh, treating you like little children with no rights at all, eh? And threatening to arrest you. Hmm? 
a guy in Australia too got uh, arrested because he took his car to the car wash. And then it, some cops thought it was a, a frivolous thing. It wasn't an essential thing you do. Same with your shopping. You know, they go through your shopping and say, you don't need this and you don't need that. You only can get food and medicines and essential. And they decide what's essential, eh? You're, gonna, you're putting up with this stuff. Well, you know something, eventually you, you're going to get all that you deserve because it's not going to just stop. And the big kicker is too, even if they go, I've got a funny feeling they're going to start easing up a bit, you see, because there's too many folk kicking back. It's part of the agenda, the plan. They always have their little a scenario that's worked out, plan A, B, C, D, E, and variations on them. And if the folk get too ticked off and get cabin fever, locked up at home, we'll start to say, oh, we'll introduce certain, you can get out for a bit longer. Some folk can go back to work. Some can do as they try to, they've already tried to, you to take your tattoos and your, and your chips and, and, and get tracking things in your cell phones. Come on. For, for, you know, that's what you do for animals. You brand animals, eh? Hmm? Think about it. And if you cave into it, it's never going to stop. It's more and more demands. You know that too. I hope you know that too. There's no, you don't appease tyrants. You can't appease them because there's no satisfying them. You have to learn to keep walking backwards from now on if you go along with it. But yeah, you, you, you're, you're literally <laughs> just giving in to absolute disgusting tyranny. And uh, it doesn't end. And I, I think they'll probably say, well, okay, we'll ease up a little bit and then we'll hit it harder again and give them scarier figures. Oh, it's come back and it's worse than ever before to get you into, oh my, okay, it's going to be here to next year then and maybe the year after. And they see, then you go, that's so they might just play it that way. They might just do that. And it'll be agreed upon at the very top, you know, until you, oh, you cave in and just do what they tell you and hand your body over. <laughs> For scientific experiments, which are not really experiments because they don't know exactly what it's going to do eventually. So, one article says scientists say the initial outbreak occurred in a window between September last year and December the 7th. It's funny how they, I love how these scientists come out with these like September the 13th, December the 7th. So, that's from the University of Cambridge in England. And it could have begun six months ago and much further south in the central Chinese city of Wuhan. Give them money and, and they can uh, give me like some, I'll give you a thousand guesses a day if you want. I, I could make that up, yeah, no problem at all. Everybody's got their hands out for it. Anyway, it says that the team analyzed the different strains of the virus using a phylogenetic network, mathematical process that can map the global movement of organisms through the mutation of their genes. These folk are lost without computers and all these programs that give you scary scenarios, eh? And lots of guesses. It sounds better having a guess coming from a computer than a... Well, it's scientific, you know. It's a scientific answer. Ah, yeah, yeah. But I'll put this one up too. As they go through their, their finding, there's 96% identical genes with the coronavirus isolated by the Chinese scientists from bat droppings in the southwestern province of Yunnan in 2013. They were bringing bats in from all these areas, folks. It's already been published elsewhere from different places. Of course they were. There's thousands of different kinds of bats out that area, apparently, in the southern part of China. And uh, endless supply of coronaviruses of all kinds, in fact. And I'm sure, given gain of function, you could probably make them all deadly to humans or whatever species you want to make them deadly to. Imagine paying folk to get that done, eh? Can you make that deadly? Okay, you know, just in case it ever did it by itself. And another article here. 
has to do with Business Insider, and it says that British scientists say the coronavirus outbreak may have started as early as September. Again, that one has also got it there. And then you've got this one from Nature magazine. And uh, Chinese infiltration of U.S. labs caught science at agencies off guard, it says. And uh, this goes on to say, the U.S. Department of Energy headquarters in Washington, D.C. says the U.S. science agency's slow response to the threat posed by China's talent recruitment programs has allowed China to divert U.S. government funds and private sector technology to further its military and economic goals, a U.S. Senate panel has found. This report, which lawmakers discussed at a hearing on 19th November, describes new details of China's efforts to infiltrate U.S. research institutions, including contract provisions requiring participating scientists to work on behalf of China. That's that China's tenth, uh, China's thousand talents plan, it's called, where they recruit scientists and, and professionals from different countries, from different sciences and so on. And uh, despite the fact that many of these programs were hiding in plain sight, federal uh, science agencies were caught off guard and must now coordinate efforts to protect U.S. research enterprise, lawmakers said. And this article is done was done on... Uh, 20th November 2019. It's, it's just, you know, do you really think that no, no one has got a clue what's going on? Do you really believe that they know everything you're doing? They know every, th- every thought in your head probably pretty well. If you voice it on Facebook or, or you chat and, tw- and you go to Twitter and all the rest of it, uh, they go pretty well down pat exactly what, what you're thinking and doing and all the rest of it. But do you really believe they just don't know? They just don't. All these massive agencies that have got football fields and football fields and football fields on acreage uh, of, of, of massive um, buildings storing all the data of the whole planet and, and, and duplicated and, and triplicated by NAC and, and, and FBI and CIA and God knows what else in the, in the US alone. They just don't know what's happening. Do you really believe that rubbish? I'd rather just accept the fact there's a big a big conspiracy at the top where they're going to be, they're all helping each other, conspiring, as they says, you know, against their own peoples. Because they all have signed on. They've got all countries signed on to sustainability and depopulation, folks. And again, these, these sharks, these utter vultures, companies to add new software to their smartphones to make it easier to, to locate those who may have been exposed to coronavirus, say their planned factors in user privacy and security. Again, getting back to that article by Bill Gates, you know, back in George magazine. And in 1997, and he said the same thing about security and... and um, Essays and freedoms, and how the Americans, you know, it would be hard to get them to give up their freedoms. He said uh, they wouldn't do it voluntarily. Maybe with a crisis, some kind, he says, or terrorism, they give up their freedoms. And this is all discussed in an interview, right? casual interview. So here we are again, and these vultures, as I say, and pariahs. Uh, are, are all going in for this massive, uh, again, Klondike, this financial Klondike, where they just stick their hands out to, 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 to literally, literally bury their own populations 
uh, with the disgusting uh, scientific uh, slavery that the shackles uh, of smartphones and that their apps to t- track and trace and right down to even and they'll have they've got trackers for Australia in different places trackers. You saw them in China with the big nets. They got if a person doesn't voluntarily bring themselves in, they net them. Well, this is what this is to go to. You see, I hope you're understanding where it's all it's all connected, folks. It's one it's one agenda for the planet here. So here they are. All they help you. See, all they help you see. So Apple and Google launched a major joint effort to leverage smartphone technology and contain. It's going to con- it's going to contain the COVID nineteen pandemic. Who's kidding? Who? Meanwhile, the countries are still bringing people in from all over the planet. Canada's bringing them in from across Africa right now. People got dual citizenships, but they prefer to live in the countries that they actually came from in the first place, cheaper. But Canada's bringing them in from some of the most heavily infected areas, including India too, right? And, and, and giving them <laughs> millions of bucks to, to help them come back. Well, how can you have a quarantine where you're going to still bring people in? From heavily infected, see if things don't make sense. There's a different, a different agenda on on go. It really is, folks. I hope you understand that. People are not stupid at the top. Don't uh, they always want you to think they just slipped up? There's no slip ups here. The whole nations are are locked down and gone bankrupt and no work. Let's bring more people in to the country from infected areas. Why are we locked up then if they're still bringing folk in? Well, they're, they're going to promise to go home and quarantine. And if they don't have a place to go and quarantine at home, see, a lot of them don't because they're living outside the countries. So they don't live here. They came from India, a lot of them, or Africa, and they can get a pension very quickly and go back and make, make more money over there, or even get funded through different programs. And I'm sure Mr. Gates will be connected with a lot of them too, and those countries. A lot of them are, actually. That's what Canada does. We recruit a lot of them, fund them to go back to, to, to push these agendas. It's just astonishing. Nothing's ever what it claims it is, folks. I hope you understand that. So, yeah, they mentioned Apple and, and the rest of them, but they're all in it, too. This one here mentions um, Israel. Everybody gets into it because it's big, big money. And like when the government's supposed to pretending to panic, they're tossing billions across the planet here. Billions. You believe, the money that they're getting, even for a simple app, you could probably retire for the rest of your life and live in utter, utter luxury. Huh? <sighs> anyway... So it works by harnessing short-range Bluetooth signals using the Apple-Google technology contact tracing apps that would gather a record of other phones which came into close proximity. Remember they used the same thing with, with some of the apps that in the fine phone were getting stalked. It was a few years back. Oh, fine people with the same phones that you've got. And, 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 uh, and folk were getting literally harassed by people just turning up, knowing where they were going and the whole thing or where, where they were. It's a stalker tool. Well, this is just the same thing with a different name on it. We'll find everybody with the same phone. We'll also find anybody who's been near anybody else with this thing. So developers have already created such apps in, in countries, including Singapore and China, to try to contain the pandemic. You contain the pandemic by stopping folk moving into your countries. Even if they are citizens, you can't let folk in. You either do something completely and properly or not at all. It's pointless doing it like, like piecemeal. 
So there's no intention of stopping it that way. In Europe, but it's definitely intending to, to, to crash the economy and retrain the public into the new, the new world order, as they call it. And they do call it the new world order, by the way. In Europe, the Czech Republic says it will release such an app after Easter. Britain, Germany and Italy are also developing their own tracing tools. In Israel, the Shin Bet Internal Security Agency has carried out a controversial mass surveillance campaign to monitor the coronavirus spread and issue quarantine orders using private cell phone data. Everybody's ticked off with them, but this is the agenda for the world, eh? That's the agenda for the world. This is the tracking which uses cell phone location data, credit card purchase data, <laughs> and other digital information aims to alert and order into quarantine people who were within two meters for 10 minutes or more of someone infected with the virus within the past two weeks. There's another one too, by the way. Uh, I think it's uh, Ford. Ford Motor Company has, has, has developed some kind of buzzer that goes off. I think you wear the thing. I don't know if it's a bracelet or what it is. And uh, at your workstation, and goes off if you if you if you break the the two meter barrier and to, to the person nearest you. Do you realize there's nothing? Where's the humanity? This is inhumane. All this is inhumane, folks. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking again. I, I get these little pictures sometimes. In your mind. That's how it's good to have you picture things when you read things too. And I thought the, the movie Metropolis, you know, where, where they also have the working population, the slaves again trudging drearily, the masses and the masses, the mass workers, uh, step by step, and, and everything's been ordered by by diktats and time and efficiency, you see, because technocracy wants efficiency. And uh, it takes all, it strips of all humanity or human needs and so on until you're just another machine yourself. And when you're broken and done for, they just toss you away. Well, I was thinking about that too. And there's Ford putting these things in. You're going to wear the darn thing. And, and each time it'll, bang, bang, it'll go off, you, you, you'll jump. You know, you'll jump like it could. No doubt too. Is, I hope you'll sue Ford if your hands or anything gets caught in the machinery or anything. I hope, I hope you start to do that, folks. Because you, you'll definitely will jump when you hear this, bah, bah, this hooter going off, eh? How, how stupid, eh? But that, that, that's, it, tell, it tells you what they really think of the people. You, this is what you'd, you did with Pavlov's dogs. And you realize, you realize too, there's a psychological thing working. I'll get into that in a second, the psychological techniques that's getting worked to the Pavlovian style here. But back to the buzzer and Metropolis. Then I thought about the brick in the wall, Pink Floyd. You know, and the, and the movie version of it too. But the song, you know, um, and, it, and then it had a bit in the song and, and in the little video that went with it in the movie. A cartoon type thing. It was been a real actor playing a headmaster. And Britain used to have these vicious headmasters at one time. And, and they really ruled you with, with, literally with, with, with leather straps they'd whack you with in the, in the hands or elsewhere. And canes, and so that—that's how it used to be in some of the schools. A lot of the schools, actually, it was very militaristic. And in Pink Floyd's *The Wall*, they have the 
the Scottish guy, the headmaster, and he shouts, how would you expect to I think, was it be healthier or to grow up if you don't eat your porridge, he says. You've got to eat your porridge. And he's screaming at them and the whole bit. And when I saw that thing with Ford, I thought, I thought that cartoon, and I thought of the, the, the headmaster too, shouting at the, at the workers here, how do you expect to stay safe if you don't stay two metres apart? It's the same kind of thing, you see. It's the same thing. You're bricking the wall, eh? Do what you're told. Obey the bullies, the, the, the real abusers. Hmm? And getting into the Pavlovian stuff, Again, counterintelligence must must get people off. It's number one, stop it from being unified on anything. Because if you're unified, there's power there. Create all kinds of little differences. Start off with silly things and, and then promote, and even pay folk to join it. They do that too at the top. They give you leaders to follow. And then you split up the main group until it's all fragmented. And there's no power left, you see, to complain and do something. That happened with 9-11 and the truth movement and, and different movements that came out of that too. That's counterintelligence, that's what you do with it. But have you noticed how many articles with, with professionals, eh? Uh, wear masks, don't wear masks. And for, and for months yet, don't wear masks. By the top guys, eh? don't wear face masks. You know, you don't need them. Only doctors need them. The face mask, I'll know it's a doctor wearing this. I guess that's the logic behind it, you see. Meanwhile, all the masks of your own country were getting sold off back to China. There was this woman with the YouTube that was selling crate loads of this stuff back to China, big bucks, and leaving nothing in the US. Same thing was happening in Canada and in Australia. By the time you're, you're no, don't, don't, don't wear face masks. You know, you're supposed to be able to be vulnerable to it and spread it too, never mind inhale it. Uh, so don't do it. And then suddenly it's ordered, no, do it, do it. Some places are saying, do it, right? So before you're, you've got police ready to, to, to hit you in the head with a baton, if you even had a mask on, you see, like, we want to see your face, you know, for cameras, and we want to see your face. And I'm trying to protect myself and stay alive. That doesn't matter. Do what you're told, you see. Eat your porridge. And then you get into the same cops, Where's your face mask? Yeah. See, you're, you're Pavlov. This is a big experiment going on here to, de to destroy your ability to discern and decide for yourself with logic, using logic. This is all Pavlovian technique. This was used in Russia, Soviet yeah, Russia. It wasn't, they weren't trying to find out what they can do with dogs. Uh, they were trying to find out what they could do with humans. And they had human experimentation going on big time too, by the way. And all the countries in the West sh shared that, that information because they love all these techniques of control uh, and, and so on. Anyway, when you are assaulted by authority figures, demand and put you in fear and, and threats of force or, or fines or imprisonment, right? For either doing something one day and not doing it the next and vice versa until you literally can't make it. That's Pavlovian technique. The dog was trained initially to go to, when the bell rung, to go to this corner, and there's the food would come in, you see. And it would go on for a little while, and one ring would happen, and the dog would do it. Then one day, the ring would go, he'd go over there, but as he was going over there, he'd get shocked before he got the food. So here's the logic. I'm doing the right thing. I'm being good, and zap, right? 
and then you, you show them where the, their food is, put the other end of the cage, and they'll go to the other and, and, and do that for a zap again, you see, until eventually the, the dog doesn't know where you stand. Utterly neurotic, total breakdown. This is psychological warfare. I hope you understand it. This is really happening. And I've been reading some of the reports, but the, the, the masses of information, again, the billions and millions, are also going to be studying you like you would not believe right now. They've always done this, but now it's a real uh, boom in information for them. And, and they're making the best of it, and they're just astonished as they're studying you all, and how they're all the, the, the conflicting information from the same experts often, too. In the same articles, you're getting two opposite opinions on anything from supposed the world's experts, all deliberately put out there until you can't make your mind up or discern anything for yourself. This is pure Pavlovian psychological warfare. That's what's happening, folks. I hope you understand it. I really do. Because that really, really is what's happening. Now another one here too. Spies are already in your phone, a highly controversial private firm. It says, um, maybe next, it says. And again, it's about the NSO group from Israel. This is from Israel, this article. And this is with unemployment at 25%. Most Israelis confined to a 100-meter radius of their homes. Amid the coronavirus pandemic, few have paid much attention to the government's program to track coronavirus patients using cell phone data. In a survey last week by the Israeli, uh, Israel Democ Democracy Institute, 63% of Jewish Israelis and 30% of Arab Israelis said they trust the Shin Bet and other government bodies to use the cell phone data to collect responsibly and only for purposes of preventing contagion. So this is, don't forget that, that these kind of uh, polls or studies are propaganda studies to convince the rest. Most folk follow, oh, well, 63% says that that's the majority, then I'll, I'll do the same. That's what polls are even for. Oh, they're meant to convince people, and people throw their weight behind it. They join them, you know. Psychology again. Anyway, it says, a senior fellow at the, Israeli, the Israel Dem Democracy Institute uh, called Tehila Schwartz uh, Al Schuler a senior fellow at the Israeli Democracy Institute and head of the Institute's program on democracy and information age believes this trust is misplaced. She warns that amid the chaos and confusion of the coronavirus pandemic, Israel's government has undertaken an extreme and massive human rights breach, allowing a secret service, which is the most non-transparent body you can imagine, to gain access to all the digital personal data of Israeli citizens. So, so the Shin Bet has been given unprecedented access to the data of all Israelis, including their location history and information about their phone calls, text messages, and websites they visit, says Schwartz Altschuler. Mind you, too, uh, don't forget, too, they're already monitoring all your phone calls, too. If you mention uh, something about headaches or in the symptoms, you, you make this guy a visit. I hope you understand that. This is the, the old program where uh, it's activated by certain words, algorithms looking for certain words in, in use and sequencing of words too. And, and, and this is all getting shoved into this, this smart apps and so on for your smartphones. Yeah. One day you might get a smart net coming over your head. <laughs> a smart net over your not so uh, smart head. Eh? Make this happen. And this article too. Uh, Wikipedia, you look up yourself in the NSO group, it's, it's got a, quite a dirty name. And um, 
I think it's all guys who have worked with uh, intelligence agencies for Israel. And they've been in trouble before, or so-called trouble, uh, for really invading other countries' territories. Too. And they'll sell the information data and information gathering data to the highest bidders at times too, apparently. That's, I, can, I think they even had vans in some countries that were spoiled at one point. These white vans were just loaded with equipment in other countries. But uh, anyway, contact tracing for coronavirus and how it's done in Queensland, Australia. And uh, when a person's diagnosed with an infectious disease, like the coronavirus in 19, we use contact tracing to figure out where they caught the virus and who they might have passed it on to. Contact tracing is not really a new thing for those who don't know that. They used to use it when they really did go after to try to stop diseases spreading. They would use it. I think they still use it for, for sexually transmitted diseases and for gonorrhea and syphilis and things like that. And it's interesting, too, that I can remember when the AIDS thing really broke out, and because it became politicized, so it was only one that could be passed on sexually that they wouldn't go and trace because it invaded certain people's privacies. And that was a big stink at the time. And it's a break in routine and formula for, for handling disease that were pretty deadly diseases, you see, untreated. So this is just a, but this is a big move on now because now they've got the cell phones and they're going to start uh, using it like a, almost like a, what do you call it? Well, it is a spy. Of course, it's a spy that you're, you're going to be locked onto before you get your, eventually get your chip and all that for, for Gates's tattoos, etc. But uh, that's where you're going with it all. It's, you buy your chains. I keep telling you, you buy everything yourself, don't you? Well, it's so convenient. Now here's, this is Queensland, I'll put this, this article up in Queensland as an example because they, t- they tell you how they go through it with tracing, etc. How they can trace them back to confirmed cases and so on, try to find their route and how many folk were infected by even one person, for instance. Which is kind of ridiculous if they're bringing people back in uh, and we're in the countries that, that's from highly infected areas, it's rather ridiculous. And most folk don't show a temperature at the time. A lot of folk, too, won't even know they've got it. What gets me is that if most folk um, have had it very mildly or not, or they're not at all, there are no symptoms at all, most people, how many folk end up being carriers of it? I hope you understand that certain people uh, often are, are, are asymptomatic carriers that are like you know, permanent uh, huh? for most viruses. They might mutate within them and change again, though, and hopefully get get completely harmless. But, I mean, you got all these other factors that they're not even talking about here. It's quite amazing. And then convincing us, joins to use government-sponsored coronavirus tracing apps. A tough ask, it says. It's not an ask, it's a dictate from them. And uh, it's a world of big data, a world where governments and private companies know more about us than ever, and we've never been more suspicious of them. No kidding, I wonder why. But many are oblivious or uncaring of the data being amassed about them through every click and mouse, every notification or liked for every online purchase. Some citizens fear an Orwellian future where the state collection of information leads to repression. 
And if it's not government's use of information that triggers suspicion, there's the omnipresence of tech giants who've become experts at monetizing users' data. And uh, then they go through uh, community anxiety and how to stem it about the use of and misuse of personal data. So the federal government's uh, work, of course, trying to meet your cam about it. And don't be so suspicious that we know everything about you, you know. So with a view to keeping a closer eye on the coronavirus outbreak, the Prime Minister's tasked development of a smartphone app to help monitor the daily interactions of Australians. It's not an original concept. China, Hong Kong, Russia and Singapore all have COVID-19 apps. So, see, there's a standard thing to get you to go along with. Well, they're, they're using it in all these countries. Well, in some countries, to take the heads off people in public. Should we do the same here? Yeah. See, that's no argument at all, but they always use that when the public don't want to go along with something. Well, they did that in this country, they did it in that country. Ah, eesh. So the government needs at least 40% of the public to voluntarily sign up in order for it to be effective. And that's going to be a significant challenge, it says. I don't know. I think most folk are probably, oh, well, you know, is it free? You'd have to pay for it. Yep. And even in Singapore, which it says has a more compliant and obedient population, just 20% of people have signed up to the Trace Together app, it's called. Well, they're hardly more obedient because they're showing that they really don't want it even there. And they really are uh, a scientifically social social experiment in Singapore. They don't know that, but they are. They were picked for it long ago. Well studied, too. And then Moscow is, is launching an app as well to try movements of people in the capital. It'll become operational on, operational on Thursday. Germany is expected its own app that ties into the scheme shortly, etc., etc. Worldwide, same agenda, same agenda. Eh? What would have happened if I had no phones? We'd be talking about this nonsense of, of, of monitoring everybody, eh? Wouldn't it? But remember, once these apps are out there, you'll it's to collect, it's collect all data on you, and, you, and you're given permission eventually to, to, to accept that it's taking all data about you. And it'll be normal. Everything's getting normalized, the new normals. Hmm? We were talking about new normals years ago until until folks started using the same term because they went through the, the whole technique of creating new new normal. And uh, here we are living through all the Illinois County must hand over coronavirus patients' names to police judge rules. That's interesting, part two. It ordered that the McHenry County Health Department hand the names of those who have tested positive to coronavirus over to the police. And I guess there's no symptoms, right? You think you're just going in there to, to do these little drive-in things just for to put you at ease? No, there's other things behind us, folks, believe me. The Health Department in McHenry, approximately an hour outside Chicago, had originally refused to hand over the names, prosecutors said. Health departments typically cite privacy concerns in withholding such information, especially the Federal Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. That's what they've got there. Specifically, the Federal Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. State's Attorney Patrick Keneally's office filed a lawsuit last week on behalf of Sheriff Bill Prim, who'd asked the Health Department to provide the names and addresses of those infected to 911 dispatchers. 
information would be relayed to officers assigned to each call so they could take necessary health precautions. Uh, this was a no-brainer for the health department, a common-sense, confidential, entirely lawful way they could have worked collaboratively with police departments to assist in enhancing the safety of officers in the community in these dangerous times. And they strangely refused, Keneally said. Strangely refused, really, according to the Chicago Tribune. The fact we had to spend precious time and public resources clearly best spent elsewhere in this difficult time to get a court order in our favour is beyond disappointing, Keneally continued. Do you realise, too, why not just expand it, which it will, huh? When you've got all this data handed out and you've got your tracked and traced, it's on your cell phone and all these different agencies have access of your whole history there. Suppose folk, folk who have different kinds of hepatitis or have had it in the past. How about people who've got certain types of herpes infections? Hmm? How about folk with AIDS? Etc., etc. Do you see where it's all going to go? You, I hope you understand what I'm saying here. Huh? It's not going to stop here. That's your entire health record here. Stamped and, and monitored, eh? Here you go with the food. Well, what happens when you stop everything working, eh? And there's no money and blah, 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 blah. And, you, and you've even cut back with the food supply, yada, yada. COVID-19 is to have an immediate and drastic impact on Canadian meat supply. Well, well that's because I've already read the articles from the last crash when they said they wanted to put, get away with meat altogether. And so you stop eating it, right? So it's a really great thing for them now. They're really happy. Some North American largest meat producers have been forced to close their plants or reduce production amid the spread of the novel coronavirus, prompting industry leaders to warn of an immediate and drastic effect on Canadian supply chain. Beef processing capabilities have been reduced at a number of facilities in Canada and the U.S. And it says a cargo meat plant in High River, uh, Alberta, where dozens of employees have tested positive for COVID-19, it says, uh, this single uh, facility represents just over one-third of Canada's total meat processing capability. So the impacts on the beef industry are expected to be immediate and drastic. So I guess that's it. They're getting their whole agenda through very quickly. The Meatless Society and Bill Gates' Rotten Burgers and stuff, which have got about a thousand chemicals in it. And uh, why Americans may see a meat shortage during the Corona's outbreaks in their article too. Uh, such massive meat processing plants are closed at least temporarily because their meat workers were sickened, etc. And the supply chains, especially vulnerable since processing is increasingly done at massive plants that butchers tens of thousands of animals daily. So the closures of even a few big ones can quickly be felt by customers. And it goes on and on and on. But you've got to understand too, there's a lot of folk don't even, if the folk are, who drive it are sick or are, are, are told to stay home, no one's driving the stuff to, to delivery, etc., 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 right? Uh, a lot of these cattle, too, have other kinds of feed and just eaten out in fields and these, these days. And uh, what happens when, when that production stops, too? On and on it goes. It's, it's, it's a, a domino effect. Inevitable. Another article, too. Uh, the government's now warning and, and they're with their task forces. Oh, my God, we've got task forces, eh? On, on, we didn't realize this might happen. Oh, wow. You really believe that nonsense? 
So Washington, the nation, could begin to see food shortages for some products if the people working on the supply chain lack personal protection equipment or protective equipment, warns an international Trump administration document. And empty supermarket shelves have become one of the most jarring images of the virus pandemic. He goes, on, oh, no, yeah, but what do you expect is going to happen? That They're only dumping meat and potatoes and everything else. And, and all you're left with is a heavily, heavily, um, heavily soaked industry of, of, uh, of vegetables today, unless you can afford the, the, the purely organic. And it, again, you can't even get purely organic now anyway, unless you grow it yourself, maybe. And even then, you've got all the... Uh, polluted, uh, uh, certain polluted types of uh, <laughs> clouds raining down on you, uh, on your crops and so on. But anyway, uh, m- most of the, the stuff now, of the seeds and everything, is owned by certain companies with the Terminator genes, etc., built into them. It means now it's all worked in advance, say, so that you, you just can't even save seed anymore. You almost swear someone had planned it all. Hey, you know, you almost think that, wouldn't you, if you were kind of suspicious about things, wouldn't you? And here you are when you need need all these freedoms and rights, etc., and you just don't have them. It's rather, hmm, what can you say? Interesting, at least. So the global food supply chain is beginning to erode, and the crisis looms, this other article says here. And... Uh, it says, so yeah, it's, it's announced yesterday the world's biggest pork producer is closing a primary U.S. plant indefinitely after coronavirus outbreak amongst employees. So Smithfield's Foods Inc. will hold its pork processing facility South Dakota. And the company also warned that closure across the country are taking American meat supplies personally close to the edge of shortfalls, well, of course it is. It's obviously meant to happen because we also, if, you, if you also stop all the workers uh, and the drivers and the facilities where you store stuff, etc., etc., there you go. However, there's a dramatic difference today. Prices are not dropping. In fact, grocery bills are getting more expensive by the day. Supply chains are being disrupted due to transportation and, of course, processing of a vast selection of foods. So, everybody's making a profit of misery, and uh, that's part of the human condition that always leads to hell. A living hell, you know. And Australians also are at risk of a shortage of basic grocery items, it says here, amid coronavirus. This is a good one, eh? You, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, wartime scenario. I, I was watching some old propaganda stuff from Britain, um, an old disc I have there with uh, with uh, documentaries of propaganda from World War Two on rationing. It was really interesting. And they show you, you know, two ounces of butter for a, a person a week. That's what you got there, two ounces of butter. And uh, a, a bit of meat that, that you could have probably uh, measured with the size of your thumb at times, you know, starvation diet. Uh, that, that was the white privilege by them. <coughs> but... Um, where folk in the 50s, 1960s had rickets, the children, the working class, of course. But it said here, this is article here says, um, and they're giving the same, see, they're giving the same propaganda, how to cook this, now you do that. The same stuff that George Orwell talked about, because he had a show on the BBC radio during the war, and he said, I used to have to try and convince the public that previously um, discarded items of food 
and certain beef and, and, and t- things like that, things that were thought unfit for human consumption, you had to convince them that this is the best food they ever had. And they put out articles saying that the people in Britain have never been healthier. I was watching it last night. It's quite fascinating. And that's where you're seeing them again. Uh, it's they unroll the same trash and the same recipes to you. to make you. And then they'll come out and say, you've never been fitter than you are today, you know. As you watch all these these different diseases come back again and your bones start to go wonky in the children's legs, etc. Uh, and they'll keep telling you how wonderful it is. Same kind of thing, same rubbish. But uh, we're pretty well there, isn't it? But yeah, now they're creating all these new ones again for you too. How to how you sunbathe, etc. And you know, so Italian beach towns plan plexiglass cages to enforce safe sunbathing this summer, right? Can you believe this? Can you imagine being baked inside a plexiglass cage? You'll die. So once the quarantine is over, there will be time to explore and observe how society has evolved rapidly. No kidding you. Well, by the time everyone makes it out of the house this summer, we all might be ushered back into quarantine by fall as a second coronavirus wave could be fast approaching. See? That's how they're going to play it here. Same thing. You wait and see. Because this is the last for at least one year, maybe in the next year, and maybe even the following year. And then it's permanent. Then you have to have your ID and proving you've had all your, vac- your recent vaccinations before you can venture out or you, you'll get you know, tasered or worse if you allow this, to, this even to continue any further. Never mind poverty, massive poverty. Like, this will be worse than, than the poverty of the 1920s, folks. I will. Article 2. Trudeau defends new flights bringing Canadians home from across the globe. This is how they word it. Canadians home. Well, these are folk who've been living almost permanently across other countries like India and Africa. They generally came into Canada from there, three years in their citizenship, maybe a little work in some kind of pension or work, or they go back with missions in third world countries. That's often what they use them for. So he says Canadians being flown home from abroad must subject themselves to rigorous and mandatory 14-day isolation. Well, who's going to, who's going to watch them? Nobody. This has happened already. As we're all locked down in prisons, right? right? So it says, Global Affairs Canada says the planes will arrive from Algeria, Ecuador, Senegal, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Hungary, and Spain, and other countries too. Uh, it says the government is planning more flights from Ethiopia, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Peru, Algeria, Poland, and Pakistan in the coming days. Also made for several flights from India, starting April the 4th, continuing for the next few, few days until April 7th. It's actually still on the go. And it says here that um, the government says it's approved 449 loans worth $1.4 million under its emergency program for Canadians abroad and is processing another 900 loan applications. You'd be surprised how Canada is working for a lot of foundations, a lot of these people are foundations, and the Gates types and other ones too across the world to, to change the cultures and the, <laughs> the systems and the populations maybe of the different countries as well. They send them out there. They're all over the place. It's like a, a training place for them here is Canada. And, and so there's the money, eh? 1.4 million, eh? Emergency program for Canadians abroad. Mm-mm-mm. Meanwhile, there's, there's no, there's nothing. If, if you don't have someone to get your groceries for you, if you're high risk, 
uh, I guess you just starve here because nothing's been said to us to what to do or, or who's going to help you or anything. That's just how it really is. So you just put yourself at risk and just, <laughs> if you live here, it's just tough cheese if you get it, if you have to go out and, and, and shop for yourself. The folk in the country have got nothing given to them at all, no help whatsoever. And the US gave 3.7 million, of course, you all know that one, to Wuhan Lab Center at Coronavirus Leak Scrutiny performing experiments on bats from caves with diseases believed to have originated. So the U.S. National Institute of Health, NIH, awarded $3.7 million research grant to the Institute of Virology in Wuhan, etc. And, I, you know, the guys you're seeing now on the TV are involved with, with all this, uh, agreeing to get all this done, you see, for this happening in the first place. It makes me, you understand, they're not going to save you, these guys. These guys that are up there is, is telling you what to do, have the agenda, a whole agenda to fulfill. And they also enabled a lot of this to happen in the first place by giving the stuff for, to, to China, etc., etc., from the labs in the U.S. and in North Carolina. Another article, coronavirus vaccine could be ready in six months from the Times. They're all publishing this stuff because it's so, because it's so lucrative. You know, every hand's out there. So the scientist leading the UK team says she is 80% confident. I guess just throw me the money and maybe, maybe it'll go up more confident. So Sarah Gilbert, professor of vaccinology at Oxford University, told the Times on Saturday she's 80% confident. And... Uh, it generally takes years to develop. But see, there aren't a new type of... It's not the old type of vaccine. It's just, this stuff's going to alter your cells permanently. Genetically alter your own cells. And when you see this woman, Sarah Gilbert, she's also her own private vaccine company. They all do this. And they use universities too and grants and galore, blah, blah, blah. But uh, she's up there too, just jumping a bit, hoping to get uh, another few billion. Whoever gets the vaccination contracts is just set for life and about 10 generations down the road too from them. Uh, incredibly lucrative. But she actually mentions in an article, which I'll put up too if you can find it again, how the new, again, these new... Um, Vaccines actually work to, to alter the cells in your body. They produce the different enzymes and so on that often get... Uh, the, you know, viruses are almost like little robots that are kind of inactivated till they hit certain enzymes in your own lung tissue. These proteins, eh? Uh, which activates some. So we're going to alter that. They shall have different cells in your lungs and your body, folks. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. Huh? What happens in a few years' time from it? Well, they'll find out. You'll consent to it. And remember, too, the laws since the days of Reagan, Ronald Reagan, changed uh, that you can't sue the companies anymore for the damage that they do. There's always damage. And every, every X amount of vaccines, X amount of people in every vaccine uh, trial uh, is damaged. Eh? It just happens. There's nothing you take in your body that's perfectly safe, folks, especially with chemicals and, and viruses and bacterium, etc., and adjuvants as well, of all kinds. And even, you understand, what you're getting if you get a, an injection into your body, that's an invasive process. You should be classed along with surgery. Anything that breaks your skin to get into your body is an invasive type of surgery. And you could sue them. So during the, the, the Reagan times, because there's so many screw-ups were made with different vaccines that were put out at the time, with, with all of this, the initial swine flu and all the rest of it, and folk were dying of the injections. 
that the fascist governments, which you have, they're all fascist. I don't care if it's communist or whatever you want to call them. It's all, they're all fascist in the end. If it looks like that duck and quacks like a duck, it's the same duck. It sure is. This imitating the rest, you see. A good ventriloquist type duck. They're all the same. So anyway, um, I'll put all these articles up tonight. Also, an article I already put up to you, this is April the 13th, and it says, in March, U.S. deaths from COVID-19, right? Total less than 2% of all deaths. And there's been so much scandal come out recently from folk working in the hospitals and that being told just to put it down. Like that senator, I'll put that link up again, the senator, who's also a doctor in the States, who, who he said they received uh, instructions from the, the, the health service to just put people down as, as, you know, dying of coronavirus, even when they weren't. And then he, he said that, that how much they get, the, the hospitals get paid if they, they put them down as coronavirus deaths, as opposed to death by other causes, like pneumonia or whatever, by other, other, other viruses and so on. Big jump in, in what they get, the hospitals get. So much corruption across the board, eh? And they're getting told to put it down, to fudge all the statistics. So this is part of the Pavlovian technique as well. You get all these different conflicting information. So in the U.S. deaths from COVID, less than 2% of all deaths. And it says about 2.9 million people die in the United States each year from all causes. This range, this total range is from around 220,000 in the summertime to more than 280,000 in winter. That's normally what the average is, eh? In recent decades, flu season had often peaked sometimes from January to March, and this is a major driver in total deaths. The average um, number, daily number of deaths through, from December through March is over 8,000. Hmm? So far, total death data is too preliminary to, to know if there has been any significant increase in total deaths as a result of COVID-19. And this is an important metric or measurement, because it gives us some insight into whether or not COVID-19 is driving total death numbers well above what would otherwise be expected. Then it gives you some sources, which are not clear either, total deaths and so on. Um, in a March 30th art article for The Spectator, former UK National Health Service pathologist John Lee noted the current number of deaths from COVID-19 does not indicate that the UK is experiencing excess deaths. And he writes, the simplest way to judge where we have an exceptionally lethal disease is to look at the death rates. Are more people dying than we would expect to die anyway in a given week or a month? Statistically, we would expect about 51,000 to die in Britain this month. That's for average for a year. At this time of writing, 4 in 22 deaths are linked to COVID-19. So 0.8% of that is is expected total. On a global basis, we expect 14 million to die over the first three months of the year. The world, this, uh, this is this, this world's this so far, eighteen thousand nine hundred and forty-four coronavirus deaths represent zero point one four percent of that total. These figures might shoot up, but they are right now lower than other infectious diseases that we live with, such as flu. Not figures that would, in and of themselves, cause drastic global reactions. Then you give the ones for the United States as well. 
with similar comparisons. So there's a, a lot of fudging going on right now. And let's be honest, the ones at the top that have pushed all this, including the ones that are not in, in, in the know, who are not quite at the top, they're not quite in the big, big agenda here. Um, you, you, you're fine with them too. That they can't backtrack now. They've sunk everything into it. They'll be laughing stocks, and and there'll be a lot of shaking fists towards them uh, with the, from the public if they if they think they've been deceived or whatever. After that, you end up with a, a, a perpetual world of poverty for this because of everything's crashed. Uh, your governments have given trillions of dollars away, trillions literally, into all their favourite pals, you know, and big big food chains and big. Someone got. <laughs> One of the things that been passed in the U.S. Uh, to do with bailouts and, and basically to keep big uh, chains going, like grocery, not groceries, but big fast food places and restaurants are the most well-known ones, by the way, the most expensive ones. Most folk can't go to the ones that are $40 for a steak or something each, you know. And uh, I don't even buy a steak in Canada. I eat raw for that. But but um, the restaurants, some of these restaurants got bailed out there. And the money was supposed to go for small businesses. <laughs> and these are big, long chains, massive chains, you know, multi-million dollar enterprises. But again, we live in a corrupt system. And uh, we, I'm not sure, it doesn't shock me at all. I, I don't get upset with these things. I never expected to anything different to happen, you know. It's quite, uh, quite astonishing what really is happening, though, too. And in the open right now, but people forget them very quickly, all these things. As things, times goes on, they forget so, what else now I've got to do with this one here? Ron Paul, good article. Uh, healthcare Patriot Act, question mark. According to the story of Politico, the White House Coronavirus Task Force is considering creating a national surveillance system to track Americans' health information. Supporters of the narrative claim it will be unable the federal government to quickly identify areas in need of additional medical supplies and other assistance because the areas are coronavirus hotspots, as they say. In March, the U.S. deaths from COVID-19 totaled less than 2% of all deaths. About 2.9 million people die in the U.S. each year from all causes. Monthly, this total ranges from around 220,000 in the summertime. Again, the same article pretty well from him as well. But yeah, it just, uh, it just really, the death rates are much lower than than what they're telling you. What you've got too in Canada is very obvious too, with the the, the homes for the elderly, especially in Montreal and out in British Columbia. A lot of them are really big, well, expensive private homes, right? But uh, one of them in Montreal, they just found out that the guy who owned them should have been prohibited in the first place to even get into that kind of line of work. He was, he was, he was convicted of some horrible stuff in the past. And um, apparently when they, they, the, the staff all ran off and left the patients for quite some time, wrapped in their own blankets and sheets and waste, etc. Because the, the great campaign that the media did to terrify everybody, terrified the staff, they just ran off. You find lots of these places, you see, that they hire temporary staff because they don't want to employ anybody who ends up being full-time, then they're going to pay more money for their insurance and coverages and so on. That's the law, you see. So they put them on part-time basis. And so you have a constant turnover of, of part-time workers. Their hearts are never into it, you know. If you pay people enough money and, and give them full-time jobs and train them, 
you get different things. But a lot of the people just they're just um, like assistants. They they help to, to clean and that kind of thing, and basic functions. And and they haven't had backups to help them or even protective equipment and, and, and clothing or anything. And so they ran off and left to patients. And some people were complaining. I, I didn't know that. Um, and these private ones. Uh, some people are paying six thousand dollars a month for one person for one of their parents to be put, you know, taken care of, and so on. Uh, one, other ones had ten thousand dollars a month per person. That's what it cost to put them in there. But they'd be hiring the, the, and paying the lowest, you know, <laughs> denominator for the staff that they do the basic work at the bottom, and they're not trained to deal with this kind of thing at all. But there you go. It's just, it's just amazing, isn't it? But yeah, the, the, the media did a good job by terrifying the public so much that they just moved from the nursing homes. Probably not just in Canada, other countries too. It is true. If I've seen ones in the States as well as happened. Another article too is to do with um, a study. It's a flu vaccine. It's dangerous to even talk about this now because you're, you're dealing with the big boys that run the world at the top here who, who own all these companies and so on, right? And they don't mess around. But anyway, um, it's significantly associated with an increased risk of coronavirus. This was 16th, uh, April 16th, 2020. And it says that um, Anderson Cooper and Dr. Sanjay Gupta held a global town hall coronavirus facts and fears. During the discussion, Anderson encouraged the audience to get a flu shot, suggesting it may help with coronavirus. Is this true? And Greg G. Wolf, an epidemiologist with the Armed Forces, I've got all the articles from the Armed Forces, by the way, the Armed Forces Health Surveillance Branch. They have their own own one, because sick troops are no good for an army, right? So they've got their own health surveillance branch. They published a study in the journal of vaccine. That's the name of the, of the, of the journal, is, is vaccine, titled Influenza Vaccination and Respiratory Virus Interference Amongst Department of Defense personnel during the 2018 influenza season examined virus interference. This was called with different viruses in a Department of Defense population and refers to the increased risk of other respiratory viruses as a result of, in this case, the influenza vaccine. Study found that virus interference varied amongst vaccinated individuals for individual respiratory viruses and found that for coronavirus in particular, uh, this study, those who had been vaccinated with the flu vaccine had a 36% higher risk of contracting it. This is an official publication, uh, and the link is here, I'll put that up too. It's from sciencedirect.com. Maybe by the time it goes up, it'll be pulled. But um, this, this is quite a common thing to happen, actually, with, with different types of coronaviruses. And you do get interference between them too. They're all competing, you know. And like going to war with each other as well, so I'm not surprised. Chinese doctor Shai Zengi ran coronavirus research in Wuhan after the U.S. project was shut down by the Department of Homeland Security in 2014. This is what I was telling you earlier, how the U.S. literally shut down the gain of function on these coronaviruses eh? in the States and gave it to China. I think it was, and again, probably during Obama's time too, it was given to China. But anyway, it says, um, for, it, was, for, it was too risky, they said. This is what they said at the at uh, the U.S. Um, State Department. It says, um, 
what they also knew is a prior leak killed the researcher. Okay? So Chinese doctor Shai Zengli was part of a team working on coronavirus project jointly with U.S. doctors in 2014 before it was shut down by the Department of Homeland Security for being too risky. I'd say so, I'd say deadly. After the research project was shut down, Dr. Xi continued her coronavirus research in Wuhan, China. She's part of the team, including Dr. Ralph S. Barrick, that published an article, and the link is here too, in a 2015 edition of Nature Medicine. In the article, they discussed bat coronavirus that showed potential for human emergence, and the article was published in 2015. In a 2014 letter sent to, to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, the, national, the, the HHS uh, announced they were going to defund the program. And Dr. Ralph S. Bark was identified in the letter. It said to you, after work stopped in the years, the Chinese moved forward with the project and ran research and development in Wuhan at the Wuhan Virology Center. Uh, from Shai Zengli's papers and res- resume, it's clear they successfully isolated the virus in the lab and were actively experimenting with species transmission. This information provides a basis that contradicts the theory that COVID-19 is a variant that just magically mutated in a bat. And it goes on and on and on. It's quite a good article, actually. And uh, it's more down to it. Harvard professor... Remember, that's the one who was arrested. We remember this too. Who worked for, mentioned it earlier, he worked for China as well as, as the US. And, and, but it says um, he was amongst three charged with legal ties to China. That was back in January 28th. Uh, all happened at the same time, eh, or in the same time, all this kind of stuff, didn't it? And that was Dr. Charles Lieber, the chair of Harvard University's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology. Big money, big money for these guys, eh? And lab-made coronavirus triggers debate creation of a, a chimeric SARS-like virus has scientists discussing the risks of gain-of-function research. And that was from, uh, it was updated March 11th, 2020. About Ralph Barrick again, and, uh, and more on that, about his publishing and his studies on his team's efforts to engineer a virus with the surface protein of the SH. Uh, co, I guess that's Corona 14 coronavirus found in horseshoe bats in China, and the backbone of the one that causes human-like severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS in mice. The hybrid virus could infect human airway cells and causes and cause disease in mice, according to the team's results, which were published in Nature Medicine. The links are all here, by the way, as well. This is not conspiracy stuff, folks. Yeah. The creation of a chimeric SARS-like virus has scientists discussing the risks of gain-of-function research. Uh, lab-made coronavirus triggers debate, it says here. A medical student charged with trying to smuggle the cancer research from Boston to China. Uh, that was another one, too. A lot of these labs are, have got a lot of Chinese uh, students over <laughs> working in them. And that was um, December the 31st, 2019. That's the one that they found in his socks. He smuggled them in his socks. Again, kind of like uh, 12 Monkeys. Only in 12 Monkeys, the guy had it in a case and well padded. This guy's literally putting these these very fragile things in his socks. He was caught at the airport 
on his way over to China with uh, this stuff. And no doubt he'd been making a career out of doing this stuff too. And coincidence, Imperial College in the UK is the origin of coronavirus panic and global warming panic at the same time, the same place, eh? That was April 10, 2020, Technocracy News. It's a good one. Uh, the, the guys that look, look and study the, the technocrats as they're making their big moves. But uh, it's not a coincidence that global warming hysteria and coronavirus panic are both based on discredited computer models generated at Imperial College in the UK. In this article, Patrick Wood, publisher of Technocracy News, delves into the history and personal biases of the faculty of this institution. And he goes on and on and on about it too. This is the culprit is, is a world-class technocrat in Britain called Dr. Neil Ferguson, PhD. is a professor at Imperial College London that builds itself as a global university. It is thoroughly steeped in sustainable development and more dedicated to its social causes uh, than academic achievement. In fact, Imperial is very well known for its alarmist research reports on climate change, carbon reduction, environmental degradation, loss of biodiversity, etc., uh, so uh, I think I think Neil Ferguson was a guy who was putting up the uh, his PhD professor. It's a professor at the Imperial College now. I think he's also the one who um, he's had accolades for, for, from the from the the Granite Stone Universities, the Ivy League universities, as they call them. You know, he's inducted very early. He knows if it's the same one. He knows um, he's a pal of Kissinger, and uh, he likes that establishment. He like he loves the old British Empire system, and and um, and and the London Imperial money system as well. Quite interesting. I'm sure it's the same one. Also, Ford again. <laughs> I mentioned it before. The brick in the wall. Ford tests the buzzing wristbands to keep workers six feet apart. Ay, ay, ay. And what else we got here? Yeah, they go. Yeah, no more beef and cheese. Go vegetarian. I've mentioned that one already. By order of government, food police. It says uh, 2010. That goes back to I mentioned population control policies to combat climate change. Already, I'll put it up again too. And the other ones I, I won't put up just yet because um, <laughs> I've got lots of stuff on studies on you right now, improving human life and one behavior at a time, etc., etc. And uh, you wouldn't believe the money has been thrown at them. They're studying us all complying, and they're just all over the moon at how quickly Britain just buckled under and obeyed them. We're all going to die. You're all going to die. Mm-mm-mm. And I'll put up two Julian Huxley I mentioned already, and the continuity of eugenics in 20th century, century Britain. Um, good article, actually, of how it really, it really works. And also, uh, <laughs> Australians at risk of shortage of basic grocery items amid coronavirus, like everybody else, too. What do you expect when it's all shut down, eh? And uh, you're going to see the, the, the whole agenda is getting pushed at the moment, and, to, and we'll have to wait and see. They keep, oh, another month, oh, another month. Well, you wait and see. How far will they push it? As long as you accept it, they'll keep pushing. That's simple as that. It's that simple, folks. Remember, too, hopefully you can send a few bucks my way, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, you, you can get discs at the moment. I'm going to get the books made up shortly. I think I'm, I might have a chance to get some books made up. And uh, because even, even the books, even the printers were shut down. And we'll have to wait and see if they do lighten up a bit in the next, next week or two. 
and give them a chance to start printing some stuff. And uh, I can still send discs out, though, uh, for those who want to peruse what I've got on the website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, how to order and how to pay and and so on. And you can also donate to me because, as I say, I've got quite a few websites there. I don't, I'm not backed by anybody. I don't sell anything. I'm not selling you cures to, to, to all of life's ills or anything like that. And uh, I depend upon you to just make me take over. And I don't, I really don't live in a, a, a luxurious lifestyle. I certainly could have been long ago, but I don't because this was too important. That's the only reason I came out years ago was to, just to, just to tell the public what was really, really happening and where it was all supposed to go and where it is going and where it is now. And, yeah, folks used to laugh at me. Oh, come on, it can't be that. I says, yeah. I wasn't pessimistic. I don't get pessimistic about things. I'm too, I understand it too well to be get pessimistic about things. But I'm not, uh, I don't go over the board with all, we are, we are who's we? We are winning what? I don't see people winning anything, to be honest with you. I see incredible forces arrayed against the public. As I say, to divide, conquer, divide, conquer, and divide, con- until there's nobody left to stand against things. That's really how it goes, eh? Who can stand, eh? Who can stand? That's what it always boils down to. Uh, we have a very evil system running the world, and it is very well orchestrated and, and, and managed, like a pyramid, you know, with all the building blocks and the levels down below them from the very capstone at the top. That's how it's organized. And the pyramid cap is slightly above the rest of the body because they have that space there. The ones at the top know the whole agenda. The ones down below can only see what's around them, left, right, and downwards. That's how it's arranged, you know. But above the lights, you've got the ones who are above the light, as they say the ones who, who watch it all coming into place and dictating it all, etc., etc. Well-connected. With, with, and it's meant for the public to think, oh, here's an individual person, an individual multi-billionaire there, or here's another one They're not connected with other multi-billionaires and so on. You find they all cannot know each other and they all work with the same philanthropies as each other and they're all on board with depopulation and, and uh, all the, the, the same agendas, folks. All of them. All of them. That's not coincidence. But don't give up. I mean, we're still alive and kicking and breathing. And what will come out of this will be a different system again. And how far it will go with severity, again, it's up to all of you. It really is up to you what you're going to put up with. And you'd be surprised too. The studies know, they know the studies that you will actually, if you start walking backwards and putting up with a little bit more, you'll accept more and accept more and accept more. They've done all this before, as I say, with world wars. And Britain was a prime example of starving the public into, into <laughs> skin and bones. Incredible studies. That, right down to suicides. They come out with these amazing things. You wouldn't think they'd be studying people like suicides during wartime. Well, you, you wouldn't believe how they study you. Farmers always study their own animals, you know. And they find there's less suicide in wartime because there was a cause, there was a purpose for a lot of folk as well. Isn't that amazing, eh? And as I say, if you look at uh, some of the documentaries they'll put up or, or, or the, the talks on YouTube, 
that deal with that very thing in Britain. Um, you might find it interesting to see how they're, they're astonished to see how compliant the public are. It, it reminds me of, I think it was Thomas Moore, who, who wrote a, a, a kind of utopia himself, in fact, in the Middle Ages. And, but one thing he did say was, he says, the, the people in Britain, he says, are not people who are rebellious by nature. They tend to obey. So they, even then, <laughs> the people were studied, the different kind of stocks were studied awfully, awfully well. And they don't really, you know. They're more likely to follow a cause as opposed to just, just, just a rebel. A rebellion is not a revolution. A rebellion is, I want to keep the system as it is, and you're changing it. So you rebel generally to try to take more off you generally through taxation or whatever it happens to be. Or even food like, it, like they're doing now, right? And privacy and, and freedom. You'd rebel to keep your freedom because you liked the old system. It wasn't perfect, it was better than what was coming in. Huh? It was a revolution. It's for a different cause, for a different system you want to bring in. That's how it works. What you're living through now is the elite's revolution, another part of one of their many revolutions, always for themselves in charge. The next phase of the new world order, you see. Coming into view, said Mr. Bush. So that's all the time I suppose I've got time for right now. Uh, and it's been snowing on and off the last week, I think, here in Northern Because of global warming, of course, where I am in Northern Ontario. I hope you're all doing okay, hanging in there. You're, you're not going stir-crazy and getting cabin fever. And remember, it is up to you all to start protesting in whichever ways you can. Because uh, if, you, if you don't make, make them listen to you, they're going to go the next step and the next step. And you won't come out of this, so keep it going. They will keep it going. And there's already folk dying all over the place that can't get operations. There's heart specialists talking about folk, they can't even get into the hospitals, they're having heart attacks. And then they're having more heart attacks at home. And dying, yeah. There's cancer patients can't get treatments. Or, or even surgery. There's all kinds of things happening. Everything else has stopped for this, you understand? And it's causing havoc and causing more deaths. But if you want to get back to any, any semblance, any semblance, or even approaching with a, a massively devalued currency after a, a system, then you have to start getting organized and and making your voices heard, or you'll be ruled by your specialists, your technocratic specialists forever. That's what they want, and to do away with democracy. That was the goal, remember, of the Club of Rome, the big, big think tank, the still on the go yet, and who's rejoicing at bringing all the sustainability programs under this guise of COVID-19, according to their own articles, which I read last week. Overjoyed at it. Man is the enemy, you see. So for myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, hang in there. I keep in touch, and, and I, I really try and get back to everybody who emails me because it's real people from all over the planet, and it's interesting to hear what they have to say and their own observations and how they're coping themselves is very, very important because uh, you've got to keep your spirits up regardless through, through thick and thin and, and keep your wits, don't panic about things. So, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, this good night to me, your God, 
or your God's school with you. 